Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill and I am your host. Uh, this is episode number 29. I am joined today by Ari Halpern. Hi. That is you. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. You are a script supervisor. I am a script supervisor. Great. So, uh, I, I mentioned to you, like, I've talked to one script supervisor before. That was Sarah Gerritsen. We talked primarily about the non-union world and kind of both of us being on the precipice of like moving, moving forward with right. joining the union and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so I wanted to talk to you primarily about, I guess, like your experiences pre-union, you're right. in the union. Right. And then just, just chat and chat and all that. Um, the Eddie conversation. <laughs> the Eddie conversation. So, for starters, was there, is there anything when you introduce yourself to people and you talk about what you do, is, do you, is there, do you tack anything on to script? Do you, is, off, I don't know if you do any filmmaking on the side, if you produce, I, I, if you I don't do anything edit, in or... filmmaking other than script supervising. I never have. I, th I started as a PA on a couple films, but I think I was a terrible PA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for those that don't know, that's production assistant. <laughs> sure. It's uh, not a fun job. Uh, I was actually fired off a film for something that I didn't cause, but they needed somebody to blame. Sounds like a classic PA yes. scenario. The only time I think I've ever been fired. Okay, so you... All right, great. Strictly script supervisor. That's beautiful. Yes. Um, for starters, I had Sarah do this as well, and it's always interesting to hear, because I'm sure you have plenty of experience answering this question. What does a script supervisor do? A uh, script supervisor is the person that is primarily involved in uh, responsible for continuity on a show. But the way I tend to describe it is that I, th I tell people, if you think of the theater, of the theater, there's a stage manager, and the stage manager takes all the blocking notes and mm. cues lines for actors if they need it. So the script supervisor is the record keeper of the shoot. And uh, when a stage manager takes all the blocking notes, that's what we do as well. But during takes, we notate everything that an actor does, everything that happens, and as well as all the angles of the camera. So that when you uh, have to come back to it or shoot something later, or you need to find something, uh, you are the person responsible for getting that information. Nice. That's, that's... And occasionally cue lines for actors if they need it. Right, right, for sure. Okay, that's a nice, succinct definition. Um, Okay, I'm trying to think of, because that's the weird thing about script supervising is like whenever it comes up, it takes, you know, it's like, all right, let's sit down for a few minutes. And then, yeah, we, there's, because of course I script supervise as well. So, um, I mean, I also say that you're the person who sits next to the director and mm -hmm. says that works, that doesn't work, uh, or that matches and that doesn't match. And um, people always ask, like, do you stop a take? If, if something doesn't match, I'm like, well, I, I don't stop a take, but after a take, I'll say to the director, you know, that didn't match, and then they can decide if they want to do it again uh, or not. And in editing, I've been, I've been, I've watched stuff that I've script supervised where they use a take that doesn't match, and you know in your heart that you did something that did match, and for whatever mm. reason, they 
used a take that didn't match, and you know, you get used to it. It's fine. It's their show. You're, you're, it's you know, I work as we haven't talked about it yet, but I work on a show called The Goldbergs, and it's called The Goldbergs. You know, it's not called the Ari Halpers. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, the the if Adam Goldberg wants that shot, then so be it. <laughs> sure. So I guess, okay, just to reiterate the, okay, for sure. I think that's, all, I mean, of course it's all correct. I just want to, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm lying. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking about, like, how the job is mostly it's pointing out the stuff and whether or not the notes are taken or, or it's, right. it's, that's kind of not really the point. It's I'm here to, but, but I will say, and, and every script supervisor has gone through this, mm-hmm. you know, we have editors that use the notes and we have editors that don't use the notes. And I've been, I've been part of productions where both are true. Um, I've been part of productions where the editors absolutely don't use the notes and I've been like on the Goldbergs, I know some of our editors, I've been in the editing room where I see, like I happen to stop by and I see the notes sitting in front of them, which is great. It's a yeah, really nice yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, but you're, you also have to remember that as a script supervisor, part of the job is, yes, it's great if they're going to use the notes in editing, but you're also there on set to make sure that everything will work out in editing. And a lot of times just for interviewing for a job, I mean, I've been in situations where I, I've brought notes with me. They don't care what the notes look like. Mm. In The director and whoever is interviewing you, they don't care what your notes look like. It's a personality thing. And, they, and for sure they want to know that you've done stuff and you haven't been fired from 10,000 jobs. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're meeting them so that they can see that are you going to have that personality on set that is going to be mesh with the crew so that you feel comfortable saying something to the director or to the props person or to the actors that this is how it matches and this is how you should do it. Right. Or if it's going to be a production where you shouldn't do that and you should talk to the first AD first. Mm-hmm. I like it. And we've gotten way beyond the beginning <laughs> stuff. No, no, for sure. It's great. So I'm trying to, all right, the stuff I want to talk about. Sure. All of that, I want to talk about the the personality stuff on like mm-hmm. what it takes to be a script supervisor and like maybe, because of course I met you the first time through the Los Angeles Script Supervisor Network. Yes. L-A-S-S-M. Yes. And uh, my, my, actually my first time meeting you was back in the before times when uh, there was, it was one of the trivia events. and um, Oh, at the Union? Yeah, at the Union. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so that was my first time showing up to a thing. I had heard about the L-A-S-S-M before, and, that was, and then you were running the, the trivia, trivia event, which yeah. we'll get into trivia stuff sure. at some point, too. Sure. Um, all right. So... I want to talk about yeah the personality stuff what what's exp- like what stuff that you do that people seem, tend to like and and what kind of what I like I, I'm interested in the conversations with with talking with a new director too on, on what what kind of stuff you're saying that do you feel has helped get you the job because that could be useful for other script supervisors watching um, not to, for them to steal your stuff but like yeah having said that I had an inter- a zoom interview for the first I haven't interviewed for a job I think in 
Ten yeah. years. Eight years. Well, it's not all, well, we'll see how helpful it is. <laughs> uh, sorry, eight, eight years. Because I, I interviewed for the Goldbergs. But mm -hmm. um, I had a Zoom interview a few weeks ago. And I didn't get the job. <laughs> Let's say I haven't heard from <laughs> So clearly, I don't remember what it's like to interview. Although, again, it was a Zoom sure, interview. Sure, which, sure. You know. Okay. So wait, the Goldbergs has been running for how long? We, this, we just finished our eighth season. Dang. We don't know yet if it'll be season, we'll, if we'll get a season nine. Um, currently, as far as I know, uh, the Goldbergs is the top rated sitcom on ABC. Mm -hmm. So we, like, I think this last week we beat the Connors. We, the only sitcom that was rated higher was Modern Family, but they're no longer on. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the top rated sitcom on ABC, so it seems likely that it would get renewed. But because of the salaries and the cost to produce the show, right. um, it, it's it's a money issue. It's it's not show entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a it's a money issue. Okay. All right. So we might stick more into the craft side then, or but no, no, oh. for sure. Oh, regardless, I'm. It's it's. What what I I don't know what I said. Oh uh, no no! I was talking about the interview, the interview stuff. Oh or, oh oh yes no I don't sure it, sure. It, so it, yeah, it was an interview for a show, and uh, it was for um, uh, I think it's like an American Horror Story spinoff. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think they saw my resume, which is good, but it was a lot of half-hour sitcom or half-hour comedy, and. One one of the things that came up in the interview, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about interview stuff now. No, but, no, sure. Uh, one of the things that came up in the interview was um, because it's an American Horror Story spinoff, um, and I don't know if any of your viewers are interviewing for it as well. <laughs> I, mean, I, I did not get the job, so good luck to anybody else. Sure, or at sure. least I haven't heard from them. Um, but um, it's an anthology series, so every episode is going to be an hour episode taking place in a different location, different cast for every episode. Mm. So, uh, like Black Mirror style. Yes. Yeah. So they're making a one hour movie every week. And so one of the main points that the person I interviewed with brought up was that because it's an anthology series, there is no going back. And if you miss something that you, you've missed it. And so like on a, on a half hour single camera sitcom we're on the stage all the time mm -hmm. and so if we miss something which we don't I don't think we've ever missed anything maybe a shot that they feel like later on that they needed or if you, or if you get like a, a like if the director has a vision during the edit they can go back and, yeah. and uh, add something or is yeah it, it, it wouldn't be the director but the producers will want something okay. else we we used to get rewrites all the time mm -hmm. all the time never for continuity but um, more for more because they've edited the show and our edits, our assembly edits are about 28 minutes. The show runs at 2150 mm. or 2130. Okay. So they're editing a quarter of the show out, a quarter of the show that we've shot. So a lot of times they will edit so much out and, and the sh uh, I don't know if the viewers know the Goldbergs, but we use a lot of voiceover. So the show takes place in the 80s. There is the adult Adam who is talking about his childhood in the 80s. And Patton Oswalt does the voiceover as the adult Adam. And so a lot of times they'll cut so much that they'll um, use Patton's voice to explain in one sentence what we shot 
for half a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it used to be that they relied on the voiceover so much that um, they would cut so much that they would cut so much that two scenes next to each other now didn't make sense. So we would shoot like a thirty second rewrite of something that needed to bridge two sure, scenes. Sure. Um, I forgot where, <laughs> where we started with this, but it, oh, so anyway, we used to reshoot a lot. And so what this director was saying that I had interviewed with for the spinoff okay, yes. uh, was that there was no there was no reshoots. If you missed it, you missed it. And I think that was one of his major concerns mm. that he wanted somebody that wasn't used to just being on a stage at a house, you know, five days a week. Yeah, a little, little, a little spoiled. Is, yeah. was the was the was a concern there yeah I, I mean he was nice he, very sure, very sure. nice guy he was but he felt like I didn't have a lot of experience or 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 that I hadn't done that in years mm-hmm. because I've been on the Goldbergs for eight years sure all right <laughs> Third, first world problems I guess yeah 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 um okay from that I want to jump into um some some topics that are more current in the like LASSN discussion groups right now and kind of get your thoughts on what those are. Um, I hope I have thoughts. Sure, I'm sure you will. <laughs> so this stuff it doesn't affect you at all. That's why I'm very curious on what your thought process is on it or what it was for you before you jumped in to Union. Um, there, man, I should just pull... There's a guy who's taken... Who's kind of developed this little infographic of the the non-union minimum yes uh quote-unquote minimum um to help guide script supervisors on here's here's like a standard for for camera fees here's what the you know what prep prep day you should look for like here's what we should be pushing for as a collective and i believe uh, he has the minimum day rate as 300 uh for 12 and so I don't know how close you looked at that, or I mean, if, I've I've seen that I I scanned it, but I didn't. Uh, I know what you're talking. Yeah. About. So what are your? How do you feel? How? Yes. Uh, what you have to understand is that I've been script supervising for a long time, mm-hmm. and so when I first started script supervising, it was 1998. So that's 22 years ago. Sure. Congrats. Uh, so when I first started on the non-union stuff, I mean, for us to make $300 a week, that was huge. And to make $100 a day, that was huge. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that anybody should take less. I would never say that. But it's it's astonishing to me that people who are starting out are asking for $300 a day. I think, well, let me... And I I, I don't think anybody should lessen their value at all. No, for sure. I think the three hundred is specifically for experienced non-union sure. script. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So it's not. Yeah. Because LA LA minimum by law currently is sure. two ten a day. And and yeah. like I said, I mean back then, I guess the the law wasn't looking out for us mm-hmm. as they should be looking out for us. Um, and. Like I said, I mean the rule, and I don't know what's changed now because I don't. I don't look at the rules of entering the union, of getting into the union. Mm-hmm. At the time when I was joining, it was that you had to be paid fifty-one dollars a day for your work. 
So if, which is obviously way less than minimum wage. I don't know what minimum wage was. What was minimum back then? I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And maybe it wasn't less than minimum wage. I, I don't know. Um, like but you had good. to be paid $51 a day for the day to count. Mm -hmm. So if you worked on a feature where you were paid $300 a week, however many weeks that was, that they divided that, you, that meant you got five days. Because oh, okay. six days was too many. Because six days would have been over $300. Yeah. So if, if you worked on a feature for th three weeks and you got paid uh, $300 a week, then you got five days per week, which mm -hmm. is good. Mm -hmm. I mean, some features did six days a week, some, you know, but you would not get, you had to, they divided it so that whatever the $51 a day was, that's how many days you got. And so you, and you had to, you know, call sheets didn't matter. It was that you had to get a letter. I, I had one, uh, one production company that had a letter, that, a standard letter that they used that said, this person made this much money, this many days, this is the person, this is the union they're trying to join. And from that, I basically typed that letter on my computer and every movie I did where I was paid you know, some amount of money, I gave that to the producers and said, can you sign this? And, right, right. And so I had all those letters and that's how I submitted it to the contract services. And yeah. That, you, you look deep in thought. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm thinking about multiple things here. That sounds similar to the process that, that still exists. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, but like I said, I, it, it, it amazes me that, because it amazes me that $300 a day is sort of the standard for non-union. Because obviously, yes, for sure, go for as much money. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that I think when I first started on the Goldbergs, the pay I think was $32, $34 an hour, something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, for sure, in the first season we had much longer days, but now we don't generally go more than 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, that's a union script supervisor. Now, I make more than that now because every year sure, sure. it goes up. But if you're talking, let's say, 10 hours in the first season for a union script supervisor, that's not much more than $300 a day. And so I, I say congratulations to the, <laughs> to the people who are doing that. But it amazes, like, and I, for the next LASSN meeting, um, someone has asked me if I'll talk about what I've done for negotiations. Mm -hmm. I've never negotiated, which is probably terrible on my part. But I have always been under, under the assumption that, you know, the union has a scale rate. Okay. And mm -hmm. if you go to a job, uh, I mean, I'm probably <laughs> going to no, get a lot of no, enemies no, right no, now. Please. But if you go to a job and they, they tell you what the scale rate, I mean, they're going to pay scale. If I, if I say, well, I want this and this and this, they're going to say no. And I could be very wrong. And for sure in a first season of a show... I, when I interviewed for the Goldbergs, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody there. They had already shot the pilot, and the the person who did the pilot, I didn't know why she wasn't being hired. Mm. Um, I've met her now. I didn't know her at the time, but I've met her now, and I you know I still don't really know what the situation was. But 
I interviewed not with people I didn't know, and uh, I got hired. And I don't. The thought of negotiating at that point would have been absurd. Well, because that was for prior to the goal. That's for the Goldberg specifically. Yes. Prior to that, what what show experience did you have prior to that? Like that you leveraged to get onto that show. So. Right before the Goldbergs, I had done two season. Well, I had done one season with a season after season one of Goldbergs. Um, I did two seasons of Wilfred, mm-hmm. um, which was a show on FX. It was a okay, half yeah, hour. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a half hour. Um... Elijah Wood and Jason Jason mm-hmm. Gann played the mm-hmm. dog. It's it's the one with the dog. Yeah, As yeah. people always say, oh yeah, is that the one with the dog and the guy from uh, Lord of the Rings? <laughs> right, right. It's a wacky show. <laughs> um, but I had done a season of that. And I think I did two. I ultimately did two seasons, but I think season two ended up being literally in between seasons one and two of Goldberg. So it worked out perfectly. Hmm. Um, it was seasons three and four of Wilfred. The script supervisor from season one and two, um, she, they loved her. She she is she is the most loves one of the most loved script supervisors I've ever met in my life. Hmm. Um, but she always preferred films, and she told them when she was hired on the show that she's like, I'll do the show, but I prefer to work on films, and if I get hired on film, I'm going to leave. And that's what happened. Mm. They, she did seasons one and two, and after season two, uh, oh, okay. she was hired on so a film. So it wasn't like a mid-season leave or something? No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. It was... if she, was, she had been hired on a film and, and didn't want to come back to Wolfram. Yeah, is the expectation... Because being that you've been with Goldbergs for so long, like, okay, my thought was you have a chance to land on a show, which I feel like is a great opportunity. And the first season, I don't know, most shows obviously don't go as long as the yeah, Goldbergs have sure. gone. For sure. But having the steady steady gig for that long is like a nice For deal. sure. And that's, and that's one of the reasons where when you're talking about $300 a day, that's mm-hmm. the big difference between working on a, sh- a movie that's going to go for three or four weeks Obviously, three hundred dollars a day is much more important mm-hmm. than doing a TV show where you're making about that much in the first season, maybe a little bit more, not much more, um, but the expectation is it's going to go a lot longer. A right. season, a yeah. season, and the season shoots longer than three weeks. For sure, that's yeah. what I mean. So, so right. So obviously, the three hundred dollars a day on a movie that you're talking about for the low mm-hmm. budget independence is way more important than. The three hundred dollars a day, where you're going to have that for a much longer period. And in the first season, we shot, I think we did twenty two episodes. So, um, yeah, it's and and again, you're going to get your now in single camera comedy for Union. It's you get a half hour wrap, which is ridiculous. That it it used to be an hour, mm-hmm. and in negotiations a few years back, they lost the hour. To half an hour. To a half an hour. I don't know how you lose something <laughs> like that, especially That's on a weird. single camera when the workflow is exactly the same as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a half hour wrap. That is something I have negotiated now. It's the only thing I've negotiated, and it's not. It wasn't really a negotiation. I basically said to our producer, who I've now have known for years, I said, uh, you know, most days I can finish in half an hour, but sometimes I can't. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Just put your out time. You know. So it's like some some days I do get more, but in general I can 
as long as you stay on top of things throughout the day, I can finish within 10 or 20 minutes. But. Yeah, and, and you were grandfathered in a little bit too, right? Like you had the hour before and then it changed no, to half it, an it hour? Changed, uh, it changed probably about a year before the gold okay. started. All right. Um, and it's funny because most of the... Um, at the, at the time when Goldberg started, most of the second ADs didn't know that there was only a half an hour. So so I was getting, I think they put an hour on my PR <laughs> mm -hmm. at first, and then I think someone probably told them that, you know, yeah. that, that it changed or whatever. No, for sure. Yeah, negotiating is tricky. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll speak a little bit on my experience with... Uh, I don't know, like... Are your viewers going to hate me? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just thinking about times where it's like, all right, the, the intention, of course, and I don't know your experience on this or, or how the position itself as a script supervisor is oftentimes, especially in non-union world where you're dealing with a lot of people, like, you know, first-time directors and first-time producers and... Yeah, that kind of stuff where, where people aren't quite familiar with the importance of the position and yeah. how much you can bring to the table. I, I would say one of the things definitely to negotiate now is uh, kit fee. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important thing that you can negotiate. Uh, when, when we started on the show, ABC had a rule that no matter what, you were, it was $10 a day. Everybody got $10 mm -hmm. a day. Mm -hmm. And I even, saw, I even talked to other people about that on the show and on other ABC shows and everybody said the same thing. Um, it may have changed now since, but we I still get ten dollars a day. Yeah. So, so okay. So the importance of the position, and and I think the the main push with the rate is like we should be considered department head rate. For sure. If if the DP or the AD or I don't know, I think somebody was comparing. The rate to like if a key grip is making this amount over there, why am I making less than like the key grip? For like sure. that kind of stuff. So sure. the three hundred benchmark specifically is just like FYI. At least practice pushing for absolutely yeah, yeah. in in non union indie films or whatever, it should all be the same rate for all the department heads. I absolutely think that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know there was a there was a commercial kind of similar to like your your position of you've never negotiated a rate. There's the weird question that happens for sure where it's like, all right, hey, are uh, you available these dates? We're doing a commercial. Um, what's your rate? <laughs> like they ask you, what is yeah. your rate? Yeah. And then I I feel like rookedly gave them a number and they were like, sweet, cool. Like that was great. I'm like, oh, I didn't give a number else. Yeah, enough. yeah. Um, that I happens think, to everybody. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I gave like, it was like five, I was like 500 works for me. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, cool. Yeah. See you. See you then. I'm like, shucks. And then when I turned my time card in, I remember like the AD's time card was the one I was like, 1200. Holy. Oh, I'm, like, I'm like, how much did I leave on the table here, man? So stuff like that. Where I'm like, how, what? So it's, 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 it's a tricky situation yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but Okay, so I'm trying to figure out where to go with that because, okay, I was going to ask about the, the camaraderie among the community in general with the difference between 1998 non-union work to now, of course, 
the internet's a thing. Facebook has tons of uh, script supervisor groups. And um, there is an opportunity, at least, to have the conversations of like, here's, here's what I'm going through, here's questions, and getting stuff answered. How, what's your experience like with, like, I don't even know when Ali SSN became a thing, or... or, or not, it's only been like a year or two. Really? Oh, yeah. It, when you, yeah, uh, Hallie started it. I, my dates could be way wrong. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but it, it definitely started during, uh, let's see. Because I moved to LA two and a half years ago. And I've been, I I've been doing. I it was much more than that. Yeah, so I've been, I've been put, you know, working script supervising since then, which is lucky for me for the group. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm way wrong, sure, sure. but I feel like it hasn't been more than a few years. Mm -hmm. So how, what's your experience like? Have you had the chance to mentor other people and, and give them kind of help, like foundation building or what's... I mean, I've talked to people before. I've never, I mean, I've had people visit me on set to see what it's like mm -hmm. to do the job. Um, the people that have visited me on set uh, you know Ty. She's visited me on yes, set, yes. Um, and so. But she, at the time, she was. I mean, she's a much she's a, she's a much more experienced script supervisor than someone who's just starting out, right? Um, and I think, I think what most people find when they visit sets who are like primarily non-union indie movie script supervisors is how much easier the job is as you get into mm -hmm. higher budget, which is absolutely true. Um, now, for me, I, just like everybody else, I started in low, 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 low budget short films and horror films, and I mean, I hate horror films. <laughs> People love them, and I remember... But the blood! Very early on, um, I was doing some horror film. I don't remember which one it was. I, I mean, nothing that I ever did in that world of the horror films ever... Some, I mean, a couple went to DVD. That's about it. Sure, sure. No cult classics or anything like that. Yeah. Classic <laughs> would never. It's not a word that you would ever use for any of these. Um, but I'll talk a little bit about some of the ones that I did do that went somewhere. But um, this is very early on. I remember sitting at lunch one day with a group of people, and you know, everyone was friendly, and they were all talking about their favorite horror movies, and they're talking, saying names of movies. I'm like. I have no idea what mm -hmm. they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And someone asked me like what my favorite horror movie was and I was like I've seen Scream. <laughs> that was the extent of which isn't really a horror movie. Sure. I mean since then I've now seen like um what was the one before Annabelle the following? Was that uh The Conjuring? The Conjuring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was good. I enjoyed yeah, that. The Conjuring it's great for non um, non horror fans. Right. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoyed that one. Um, I've seen A Quiet Place. Mm -hmm. That was good. Um, John Krasinski. Yes. Emily Blunt. Uh, I did not see the prequel, which I'm, I am interested in seeing, uh, A Quiet Place 2. Okay, the sequel. Well, it's a sequel, but it's it's a, it's takes oh, place beforehand. Is it? Oh, really? Yeah. I thought, I thought maybe it was like flashbacks and, and fours. Like oh, I don't know. I, I thought it was only took place before, but I haven't seen it. So I don't we'll know. see. Eventually, when that thing comes out. <laughs> oh, no. It came out a long time. A while ago. Did it? Yeah. No, it hasn't. I think so. I don't think so. Anyway, you saw it? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I mean, I remember that it came out. 
the Quiet Place too. Yes. I'll I'll probably Google that, but yes, please, but please yeah, keep I'm going. I'm pretty sure it came out. I I, I wouldn't swear to it because I'm not a horror right, fan. So regardless, you were working on these indie horrors. Uh, yeah. So I was sitting at lunch. Like I said, I was sitting at lunch one day, and they're all talking about their favorite movies. I'm like, I have I have to get out of this world. I yeah. But my goal always always had been uh, TV. I absolutely wanted to work in TV. And because I was a TV person growing up, I was, I mean, I, I saw movies probably more than the average person, but less than a movie buff. But I was a huge TV fanatic. Uh, and this is, obviously, I'm a lot older than you. This is the 80s. I was mm-hmm. a huge 80s mm-hmm. TV buff. I watched every sitcom, almost every sitcom. Um, and so my goal was always TV. And so when I was working in these low budget, do, do, I got it. Did it come it's out? It's right here. You're going to read that date up for me. That's, but that says Quiet Place Part 2. I don't know. What do you mean? It's Quiet Place 2. I swear I remember. May 28th, 2021. Because it's a, maybe, part, of, it's a maybe, part of the HBO Max. Well, maybe theater. it was supposed to come out before the It's been pandemic. pushed. It's been pushed oh, so many okay. times. It's, All right. It's not out yet. I, I feel like I remember seeing so much about it, and maybe it got pushed because of mm-hmm. COVID. But. Yeah, 100%. Okay. I'm sure that's what happened. But it's, 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 it's not out, people. May. Keep your eyes peeled. Does it say if it's a sequel, prequel? or I didn't, I didn't dig that deep <laughs> into it. Um, God, I could swear it had come out and come and gone. Uh, anyway, so I had always wanted to work in TV, and like I said, I was working in these low, low, low budget right, right. horror movies. Um, sort of the jump. So I have sort of two levels of jumps in the career. If, I, if you no, want to please, talk about this, please now. go for it. <laughs> um, I'm very curious. One was, I don't even know, how, I don't remember how I met him, um, but I met a guy named Kevin Van Hook, who um, started his... I know Kevin Van Hook. Do you know him personally, or you know him... I've been in, on set in, with him. Okay. Yeah. So he, um, back in the early 2000s, I don't, uh, I don't know if I was union yet or not. So I had done a lot of low, low, low budget films, and I joined the union, but I don't think I worked a union job for probably three years mm-hmm. before three years of non-union work is that three years of non-union work while i was also in the union so i oh, i probably. had i had yeah. joined the union in <sighs> 2002 maybe okay so four years of non-union straight four. up and then you joined and had three years of transition into yes. union uh, yeah I think that sounds right. I think I joined in 2002 um, with a lot of low-budget movies, and I think I worked for about three years before I had a union job. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to look online to see when the... So I met Kevin Van Hook, and I don't remember how I met him, um, but I was hired on a movie that he did during that time. I don't remember. If it, it was probably late 90s, so probably before I was in the union. Eh. No, I was probably in the union, but hadn't done a union job. He did a movie called The Fallen Ones. Mm. Um, and I don't remember how I got hired on it, who I knew to get hired on it. I'd have to look it up because I have no recollection of that. Um, 
and he ended up doing a series of movies that all now having said working with Kevin Van Hook he does not use the notes at all he has told me straight up he does not use the notes mm -hmm. but he is the type of person that he knew he needed a script supervisor on set to, yeah, to be a set of eyes. Because there's more than just the notes that... Yes. In, yeah. Um, and he is an editor. He edits his movies. And so he knew what he wanted. But he needed a, a script... He knew he needed a script supervisor on set. Yeah, yeah. Matching action, yeah. eye lines, yeah. 180, all that um, kind of stuff. Yeah. But he knew he wouldn't use the notes in editing. Sure. But, but I ended up being like his script supervisor for about three of his movies. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, and those movies ended up airing on the Sci-Fi Channel. So that was sort of my, like, the biggest movies I had done at that point. Mm -hmm. That was like, oh wow, they're actually people are going to see them <laughs> on TV. Um, so the first one was non. So did they? They were all non-union. Okay, they were all non-union, right. and I was probably in the union at that point. Um, but they were all non-union, mm -hmm. and he is a very loyal person, and to this day, I'm still friends with him. Um, but yeah, I, I probably did three or four of his movies. Um, the one that I didn't do during that time, he had gone to shoot it in Puerto Rico and he, uh, he just hired someone there who, I, from what I understand, barely spoke English. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she would tell him like, oh, they said this instead of this. And she didn't understand English enough to know that it was basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know. He knew he needed to hire someone, but um, yeah. So I did about three or four of his movies, and then my jump. So, like I said, I was a union script supervisor at that time, but I had not done a union job. I think. Oh, sorry, I'm not used to having a mic there. <laughs> um, Caressing. Cut that out. <laughs> um, I my first union job was a movie that starred Wayne Brady. It was called, um, at the time it was called I'm Perfect, but spelled like imperfect. Mm -hmm. And it starred Wayne Brady and Ileana Douglas. Um, and one of the nicest actresses I've ever met, um, uh, she was Sydney Poitier's daughter and her name was Sydney also. Mm. Um, and the movie was produced by a really not nice guy <laughs> who was an act who had previously been an actor who is now a movie producer. Sure. And his big role as an actor was the mute villain in Superman 2. Okay. If you remember him, he was the big guy with the beard. I don't remember his name mm -hmm. in the movie, but he was like, it was General Zod. And Ursula was the female villain, and he was the mutant yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had become a movie producer. And basically, we about the movie itself was an was a union movie, but it was um, you know a low budget union movie. And about three weeks into the film, they stopped paying us. Okay. Um, and it's so my first union movie, like they basically stole the stole the funds, and and we finished the movie expecting to be paid eventually, um, but it never panned out. So, some people it went into some sort of arbitration, and 
I think I was away at the time when you needed to fill out a form to get paid for that final week, and it was like less than what they were supposed to do, mm -hmm. and and some people got paid, some people didn't. It was an insane. The DP I think ended up holding on to the footage um, yeah, until yeah. he got paid, and um, the director who was also a super nice guy, and I felt so bad that this had happened because he was so this was like at the time like one of the biggest things he was doing. He has since, uh, super nice guy. He um, he ended up doing some commercials that that um, pole vaulted his career very high, mm. and he ended up creating. Uh, he ended up writing and directing for the Blacklist, which is a TV show, mm -hmm. uh, very big TV show, and then he ended up creating a show called LA's Finest. Yeah, I'm familiar um, with that show. And his name is Brandon Saunier, and he is the direct, the writer-director that ended up, I don't know if you heard about the accident that happened on set. It was a stunt that went really bad, um, where, from what I understand, he, uh, this is very public. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, like, no, revealing for something. Sure, for sure, From what I understand, there was a car stunt that they were doing, and they put video, like, they had a video village in one area, but then they had these tiny monitors for the producer and the director and him. Um, or the director, he was the producing director, but I don't know if there might have been another writer-director. I don't know if he was directing the actual episode, but he was the producing director of the show. And so there were basically two people standing at a small monitors near the stunt. And something happened, the car went wrong, and he ends up getting, his leg got pinned uh, between the car, like I think what happened, I'm not sure of the details, but I think his leg got caught uh, in a in a hole in the ground or something like that, and he ended up losing his leg. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm friends with him on Facebook because of the original movie that we had done, this imperfect, I'm perfect movie, which was very imperfect. Sure. <laughs> um, but he's super. He's so proud of the show of LA's finest. That and I think they're still shooting. I hope the stunt people got fired. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the background of that. I don't know if I should say that on camera. Sure. But it, it is a stunt that went wrong, and he ends up losing his leg. And on Facebook, he's very positive, and he's gotten a, f uh, a prosthetic leg now, and and he's still super nice and seems super positive. And his girlfriend at the time of our movie, who is now his wife, and they have like four kids together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're all like... Yeah, yeah. a lot has to go wrong for that kind of stuff to happen, which yes. is scary. Um, I don't know why they set up a monitor so close to the where it went wrong and whatever. You know, that shouldn't yeah, have happened. It's, it's all... Uh, yeah, I think I, I recall... I'm pretty sure I saw some sort of yeah. thing pop up through some of the filmmaker groups and was reading through like, you know, some somebody from the set would comment in it and like, this is what happened. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, well, I don't know what's going and, on. And I mean, he is just the nicest guy and he's he's so positive all the time on mm -hmm. Facebook and, and, you know, thanking everybody for the support and whatever. And um, I just can't even imagine what he's going through. But um, for sure. So, so he was the first he, union... He was the director of that movie that yeah. the producer ended up like. That's a crazy. That's money. a crazy first union experience. But it ended up airing on TV. I'm like, how does that happen? <laughs> it aired on ABC Family, which I think was 
at the time was not ABC Family. It was called something else. Maybe, I don't know. Without you guys getting paid. Without us getting paid for the final week of the film. Hmm. Um, it ended up airing as a movie called The List um, with Wayne Brady. It was a it was a cute movie. You know, it was like one of these romantic comedy sure, kind sure. of movies. And, um, but that was my first union movie. Um, and you don't remember how you got into that? Like what, what the... What the... I think I, I remember the producer, one of the, the like the line producer, not the one that stole the money. Um, I interviewed with him. I think maybe he he got my name through someone else who recommended me, mm-hmm. and then I, I I think it was one of those things where I didn't know anybody really on the movie. I mean, it's one of those situations where you get there and you're like, oh yeah, I worked with you before, or whatever. But I don't think going into it, I think they just got my name from somebody and I interviewed and. Got the job. Yeah, because where you, did you was I'm assuming because that's the weird thing about joining the union too is like all right, sweet, all my connections are currently non-union. Right. How do I how do I make that jump into the union world in any capacity? So I wasn't sure if it you might. If, you know, I will say it might have been a situation actually where it was a it started as a non-union movie and flipped, mm-hmm. and I was already union. That would make sense. That might have been the situation, but I don't. I don't remember. That kind of that kind of makes yeah. sense. With I feel like that could work if if there was if they are paying these rates and it's like all right, sweet, we're gonna, let's flip the show. Yeah, like somebody flips the show because if if they're gonna embezzle the money anyway, <laughs> then you would try to get away with going non-union first and yeah. then it flip yeah. and right. then you end up not paying. Like, yeah, I honestly don't remember I don't if it started as union or if it flipped. I, I truly don't remember. Although it seems like it makes more sense that it flipped, but I feel like I do remember thinking like, oh, this is my first union movie. Mm-hmm. Although I could have thought of that as it was flipping. <laughs> it was flipping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't remember um, and then, you know, after that movie, it was back to a lot of non-union stuff. Mm-hmm. And so one of the only pieces of networking that I've ever done that ever paid off big time, um, I was, so I don't know if, if you or your audience has ever worked at Lacey Studios, which is, a, it's a, basically a warehouse downtown. Mm-hmm. It's a huge warehouse downtown that they have different sections. They call themselves a studio. It looks just like a big warehouse. But they have different sections that look like different things. So they had a room that was like a courtroom, and they sure. have a room that's like looks like a house, um, and then they have an outside area that's sort of a dump that a lot of people shoot at, if, like for car chases and whatever. That mm-hmm. they, they, the car chase ends at this because <laughs> it just looks terrible. Anyway, I was working on something non-union um, where they had it was we were told that it was footage that was going to go into a video game. I have no idea if that ever happened <laughs> or not. But um, <clears throat> we were shooting there one day, and we were shooting in the courtroom and an outside area, and they had Lacey Studios had booked the majority of the rest of the place for the TV show Bones, mm-hmm. um, which at the time was in its first season. It ran for 12 seasons. Um, and they were sort of towards the end of their first season at that point. And they were there for basically a night shoot. And we were there for like a day shoot. And we weren't in the area that they were using, but we were there for a day shoot. They were there for a night shoot. And so we had finished for the day. And I decided to go up to the script. Find, you know, it's very easy. In those days, it was very easy to find the script supervisor. 
Um, because, the harder these days? Uh, yes, because I maybe it's not true, but uh, I find that because so many script supervisors now are digital, they're not wearing the stopwatch and mm. they look, you know, they're just carrying a computer, an iPad, which and, anybody can. Yeah, producers and yeah, everybody. Back in the day, the big binder and the stopwatch and the pens around the neck mm -hmm. was a surefire sign that it was a script supervisor. Um, and so because I was, we were already there on, at oh. the location, mm -hmm. it was very easy to walk onto the set. And I found the script supervisor and I went up to her and I said, um, you know, I'm, I'm a union script supervisor. I, at that point, I'd been in the union for a couple of years, but only working that one job, basically. Mm -hmm. I think probably only the one job. And I said to her, I'm a, I'm a script supervisor. If you're ever looking for someone for second unit, um, at the time I had cards. I haven't had a card in many, many years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I gave her my card. If you're ever looking for someone for second unit, you know, give me a call. And a few weeks later, um, she needed someone for second unit, and she called uh, another script supervisor that she knew. I don't know if you know Shannon Kenny, mm -hmm. um, who is a TV script supervisor. She's on, she might actually be on American Horror Story right now. Um, but at the time, she called her for second unit, and Shannon couldn't do it, and said, uh, I, had I had worked with her as a producer. She had produced a short film that I was the script supervisor for. Okay. Um, and she said, I know the script supervisor named Ari. He might be available for second unit. And Billy, who was a bone script supervisor, she was like, oh, yeah, I just met him a few weeks ago. She called me. I ended up going in. The day went well. So the way a lot of dramas work, as, you, as your audience may or may not know, is that a lot of dramas are eight-day shows. They, um, and they start, you know, they just do, they run eight days, and they start the new episode on the ninth day. And then after a few weeks, they might do a second unit day. The way Bones worked was that they, they had a second unit day every ninth day. They were basically a nine-day show, but they were calling themselves an eight-day show mm -hmm. and then just had a second unit and every ninth day. Yeah. Um, and it was built into their schedule that way. They couldn't call themselves a nine-day show because fiscally it would end, them, end, the, end the season too late. And they needed, they needed to end in April or, or oh, May, gotcha, whenever they gotcha. ended the season. Um, but by being a nine-day show, it would have gone way over. Mm -hmm. um, so they just called themselves an eight-day show, and every ninth day they had a second unit while the main unit started the new episode. And so I ended up being their regular. I ended up being called basically every ninth day for a long time. And the script supervisor... Um, you know, I would still be doing like these low, low, three-week, low-budget movies, um, and usually she would have to find somebody during that time when I was working. But she, every every any time I finished, she would be like, "Okay, well, you'll let's get you back." Yeah, in. yeah. And she didn't have to do that. I mean, it was very nice of her, um, and that got me into the TV world. Or at least, not so much the TV world, but to know what it was like in the TV world. Um, I will say the thing that got me into the TV world was um, that that was my first experience of working in real TV shows. Um, so that when I got my first show, I wasn't like all googly-eyed, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. which was nice because you want to have an air of <laughs> like you've done it before. Right, right. 
the thing that got me into the TV world was a producer that I had worked with um, on a movie. Or actually, it was a movie that didn't end up going, but he had hired me for a movie, a low, low budget movie. Ended up getting hired as a producer on a TV show called Party Down, um, which I don't know if you know Party Down. It is one of the best shows ever. Hmm. Um, I highly recommend it to anybody who has not seen it. It's high praise. Uh, it is. Um, it was originally on Stars, and uh, it ended up getting picked up by Netflix, which. Um, was where it found its primary audience, but it, that was after the show was already mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm. It's no longer on Netflix, but it is now on Hulu. Okay. Um, the first episode is a little slow, but after that, every all the episodes after are so funny. Um, it is a show. It is a half-hour comedy about a cater people that work at a catering company called Party Down. It's a scripted single-camera comedy, mm-hmm. um, and it stars Adam Scott and Ken Marino, Jane Lynch. Martin Starr, Lizzie Kaplan, and Ryan Hansen, and then um, Megan Mullally was in season two. And Jennifer, um, what's her last name? Jennifer, uh, who's the guy? That, who's the woman that's in all the Christopher Guest movies? Uh, a lot of Jennifers out there. But she's she she has the very big lips. She was in she was in Legally Blonde. She played the older woman. She played Stifler's mom. I'm sure I'd recognize her, but I didn't anyway, she, her she when Jane Lynch left to do Glee, she stepped in and okay. took. She didn't play the same role, but she basically yeah, yeah. Uh, took over for Jane Lynch. I, it's really bothering me that I cannot think of her name, but it'll come back to you. Uh, it may not even be Jennifer now, but <laughs> I think it is. Uh, she played Stifler's mom, and she she's in all the Christopher Guest movies. She always plays the ditzy, older blonde lady. Okay. Anyway, it's a great show. <laughs> I got hired on it through this producer um, who I, had, I was supposed to do a movie for, but that movie fell through. Um, and he hired me on the TV show. And through that is basically how I, through that and through Bones is how I've gotten almost all my TV work. It's how I got uh, a show called Children's Hospital. It's how I got mm. uh, uh, probably Wilfred. Well, f- through people I knew through those shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yes, I highly recommend Party Down. So it's about a group of people that work at a catering company and they're all wannabe actors and screenwriters. And you can currently find it on Hulu. Yes. <laughs> Not a commercial. No, I'll, I'll check it out for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned that the... Time on Bones gave you the confidence to when you yes. landed your own show. You're yes. like, okay, sweet. I and it made me realize as a script supervisor that all this stuff that I was doing on the low budget movies comes into play, but every other department has been doing their job for years and all the other departments are really good and the actors generally know all their lines because they've been doing it for years and... And you're like, oh my god, the job is so much easier mm-hmm. <laughs> because everybody knows what they're doing. Right. There's less setups on the day, like that. Yes. Uh, yeah. All yeah. that kind of stuff. So what I was going to ask was, all right. So you had the experience of bones with the ninth days and and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And also filling in for the main unit occasionally when mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Billy was out or whatever. So the other the other um, uh, topic circling the. Uh, the I don't I think it's the 
script supervisor community as a whole is from what I'm hearing is it there is potentially a gap or a void being created in the union like there's not there's people retiring in script supervisor union world there's not enough people entering the union world it's something that I'm kind of that I don't know about that so regardless the, 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 I feel like there's so many script supervisors <laughs> I don't know I don't know I think so there's there's a there's a notion or a I don't know even what to call this what some union script supervisors talk I think it's um, what's your name Gilliam, uh, she's been posting in Don Don Gilliam. Uh-huh. Um, but she's she's the she's the president of the of eight seven one. Okay. Her, I'm not sure if she's former or current. Because she's on a show too. She script supervises. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. She, I mean, right. She's a script supervisor, but she's okay. also the president of the. Local. Cool. Um, I I think I mean she definitely was. I think she still is, but I'm not 100 percent. Yeah, sure. yeah. So she's been talking a lot about. Creating opportunity. I'm sorry, she's not the current president. I just remembered who it is. But yes, but she's a, a big time script supervisor. Yeah, so she's been talking about finding ways for union script supervisors to help newer script uh-huh. supervisors with that kind of same thing. Is like let's get them. Let's let's find a way to get them on set so that way when they yeah. do land the shows, you know they're. Representing yeah, sure. the representing the position properly and doing a good yes, job. Yes, she's. I mean, she's one very much for script supervisor empowerment and mm-hmm. and bringing people in. And so one thing that she they're talking about for sure is trying to figure out a way of giving the script supervisor like an assistant position on some union shows, depending on if it if it warrants the workload right, or. Right. So I don't know what your thought is on how that would play. I'm, with, like, I'm what all you for do, that. Or... I'm all for that. It, it's a very tough line. So I, um, I did one movie. It was a union movie uh, with. There were two script supervisors, and the other one was Shannon Kenny. Um, and it's it's a tough thing to figure out what the line is of who's going to do what. Mm-hmm. It has to be very well demarcated. I mean, again, both Shannon and I were union script supervisors, so it wasn't like an assistant. They, they just, for some reason, they put it in the budget to hire two script supervisors, and I think it was because it was a movie that was being shot like a multicam TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically they were filming a play, so there were like 40-minute takes. and um, Oh, dang. Uh, now I personally I don't have multicam experience I've never done a multicam show so it this was yeah it was being shot like a play with four cameras yeah yeah, um, yeah. so I, I don't remember why I think they just said we should hire two script supervisors mm-hmm. so even Shannon and I were like well how are we going to how do we up? do this because yeah. uh, I mean that's definitely different than yeah yes uh, yeah. uh and so it was like, well, maybe one person watches the continuity while one person does all the logging. And that's one, one way of doing it. Um, because I would love to, I would love to not have to watch continuity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the hardest part of the job for sure. And it's the most um, heart pounding <laughs> of like, 
uh-oh, what did I miss or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then it always happens like so a script supervisor told me early on. Um, she wasn't the one that trained me, but she was the one that told me what script supervising was. She said to me, you can't watch everything. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. And I've always remembered that. And over time, and as you get more and more experience, you learn what's important mm-hmm. to watch. Um, and sometimes I'll miss something and I'll be like, oh my God, I must be the worst script supervisor in the world. <laughs> because how did, I, how did I miss something that was so important to watch? Yeah. Um, and then another day you'll be like, Yes, I'm the best supervisor in the world because I only I knew that. Like people were asking this question, only I saw. You know, whatever. Sure, sure. Which, um, which feels great. But more often, it's like I'm the worst group supervisor in the world. <laughs> All right. Um, but um, yeah, it's just it, it's very difficult. I, I would lo- I think that's a great idea to have an assistant, but I think it's very. It, it's very difficult to figure out what the that demarcation is. Yeah, because that's the weird part to me, for sure. Because I, I, of course, I love the idea of like, sweet. When I join the union, there's some sort of intro position to where like, all right, sweet, I can go and work this assistant role and get that get those reps on on this set and get familiar with the lingo and the flow and and what the notes, what just what the differences are and how it plays. Yeah. And I mean, the, it, have, so have the wings there. Now I will say, it, it's sort of a a fuzzy line with the producers guild because, like for example, when I was working on Bones, there were occasions where, um, some of the days where I did first unit, the reason I did first unit, so on Bones, they absolutely wanted a script timing for every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously is an extra fee. It's not part of the union package. Um, and she had negotiated whatever she negotiated. I'm not sure what it was. But they would do re- these re- these major rewrites on a show. And so they they might be starting you know a show in a couple days and mm-hmm. a, re- a complete mm-hmm. revision would be would come out and they would want a script timing on it. So they would have to they would say to her, we want to, we want a timing on this. So she would call me midday or, or early in the day and say, can you come in later today and fill in because I need to go home and do a script timing mm, on this. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, they would have to get producer's approval to pay two script supervisors for the day because if I come in for half the day, they still have to pay. There's a, there's a minimum guarantee. And so you have to get producer's approval. So that's that's the whole thing of... Right. Mm-hmm. That whole extra thing, because there's a there's an eight seven one script supervisor guarantee that you're going to be paid for a day's work, even if you're coming in for a couple hours or whatever. Yeah. And so if you're talking about having an assistant, that's paying to now mm-hmm. now it may have to be worked out in negotiations. I'm talking about script supervisor negotiations of like. If there's going to be an assistant, yeah, what's so that it, fee it'd be, be like any other department, being like, right. all right, sweet, this is the number of PAs I need, this is the number of hands right. on the art department we need, right. and then the back and forth with that. And normally, right. script supervisors don't have any right. any backup, so it's already like we don't expect to have uh, right. additional on that. But it, I think it's a great idea. But it's whatever you have to decide what those yeah, duties are going to be. Yeah, yeah, because even like you mentioned earlier that. 
the union world in ways is easier than the, than the non-union sure. world. I, I have said that for years. <laughs> so, and I think everybody agrees with that. So it's like, so it's, it's the weird thing of, wait, we need assistance in the non-union world. <laughs> and then you can graduate now, having, on Having said that, I have never personally worked on like a big budget movie. Mm-hmm. I've only done okay. low budget. And mm-hmm. at the time when I joined the union, um, that was, I mean, like I said, I worked for a couple of years still in the low budget world, sure. non-union world. And I have primarily only done TV in the union world. Mm-hmm. And for sure that's easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So and more fun. Yeah, yeah. Because you get to see it aired. That's nice too. <laughs> well, again, like you said, you haven't been on the on the on the big union movie, which ideally would air too, right? Like and, a, yeah, like but. the only movies I've ever seen that I've worked on as movies wise were just like screenings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is fun to see, but for sure, or a movie that played for a weekend at like the indie Lemley yeah. <laughs> movie theater. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where to move next here because. True. Um, Sorry, I've talked on so many tangents. No, it's all good. You wanted this. <laughs> no, it's great. All right, so non-union versus union. All right, let's. I want to hear a little bit about um, the TV. So being the closest I've gotten to TV world is. Um, I think I've been on like one one set and I got toured by a buddy of mine that I was like picking up a camera from or something for like a random thing and, and he brought uh, me to the set. I will like, say I feel so bad because I love to bring people on, but it's so now it's impossible. Sure, it's not it's not the time for extra people on set. Yeah. No, well, we're not even we're not allowed. Yeah, no, no, yes, no, whatever. For whatsoever. sure. Um you want me to talk a little bit about what it was like when I first started on Union TV or sure yeah I'm I'm curious on what the dynamic changes were going from the indie world into now you're in TV and you love it and like what the relationships are with the director yes. coming in and how and that's how what I was actually yeah. going to talk about yeah. um, so when I first started on Goldberg's and again most of my TV before Goldberg's was like indie film uh, so Wilfred was all single camera we were on, we had we block shot. Uh, five episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole season was ten ten episodes. I think for seasons three and four each ten episodes each season, and we block shot uh, five episodes at a time. So that was very much like a film. Mm-hmm. And and at the time, um, uh, digital script supervising was just beginning. It wasn't mm-hmm. at the stage where it is now. Um, and because we were block shooting five episodes at a time, there was I, I knew based on, like I mentioned Randall Einhorn before, he was our director for all ten episodes. So, and I had worked with him before, uh, so I knew that I needed to be not digital. There was no way that for what we were shooting that I would be able to be digital for that. Okay. Um, I, because I just knew that I needed to be able to jump between episodes all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and before Wilfred was bef- really before digital was anything what it was. So I, I didn't go digital until quite a bit later. Yeah, and we'll get to that too. Um, 
so, and Party Down, I had done two seasons of Party Down, and Party Down was not an anthology show, but every episode was a different location. So, because the premise of Party Down was that every episode was uh, a different party that they were catering. Mm-hmm. So every episode took place in one night. Um, we shot, we were four, we were a five-day show, but we essentially were a four-day show with a production meeting on Mondays. So we they loaded in on Mondays, and we shot Tuesday to Friday okay. at this one location. So again, it was more like a film. So Goldberg's was really the first show that I'd done that was going to be on a stage. We had our own stage for the show. Um, our primary director for the first season was a guy named Seth Gordon, who is, he directed Horrible Bosses. He was much more of a movie director and a documentary director. Um, and now I know he's directed some episodes of For All Mankind. I mean, he's done a lot of TV, but he was our main director for the first season. And Seth, um, I always got along with him fine. He's a very, um, he's a very booming presence. Uh, I don't want to use the term overbearing, but um, he, he, he's a very big presence. Mm-hmm. And he's very much a movie director. And he knew what he was doing and he knew what he wanted. Um, and so I think he, the way he treated me initially was that he just saw me as uh, someone who might get in the way of his filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Like you're a distraction. And, yes, because yeah. he knew what he wanted. He didn't know me very well. Um, so very early on, within like the first, uh, within the, he directed the first few episodes. I mean, on uh, he didn't direct in a row because that's impossible in TV when you're not block shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, but within the first couple episodes, like I, I, I remember one day I pointed out something that he was missing. Uh, in a scene, he had forgotten some shot Just like or whatever. some coverage or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it, and and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're right." And from that point on, he treated me so much better, and he saw that I knew what I was doing, and from that point on, he basically listened to almost everything that I said. And you know, like I said, he knew what he was doing, and mm-hmm. so I I only spoke up when I needed to, and um, and I think. That was a thing about Bones as well. Um, I just do the job. I don't like... I just speak when I need to, and I speak to the actors when I need to, and, and otherwise I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. I'm friendly. Sure, sure. <laughs> and that's about it. How, how involved do you normally get with... Like, are you... I mean, now my role in the show is way different. Well, I'm sure, because you're super established. Within... I'm super established, and also because... so. Back then, our, we had three main directors. We had Seth, who... You're talking about Goldberg. The Goldbergs, mm-hmm. yes. In the first seasons, our, in the first couple seasons, our two main directors were Seth and David Katzenberg, who is, a, who is of the Katzenberg line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really knew what he was doing. He had started in reality TV and um, worked his way up, and he really knew how directing worked and how TV worked. And I have a lot of respect for him because he, as I said, he came from a very, very, very wealthy family. <laughs> but he really worked hard and knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And he's a great director now. And he, um, he, he and Seth were our two main directors for the first two seasons. 
David Katzenberg basically directed every other episode. And then and then there's a showrunner on top of that too. Is there? A... Yes. So uh, I don't know how much I can say about this on camera, <laughs> um, but the way most shows work um, is they have the director of the week. So in film, the director is the person. Whether it's a man or I don't want to say sure. the man because it's going to be a man sure, or woman, sure. but the director is in charge. Yeah, yeah. In TV, the director is a visiting director usually. There's usually a producing director who directs the majority of the episodes, um, but then that director can't direct every episode because you have to prep every other week. So, um, so you have a lot of visiting directors, and so usually there's the writer of the week who is. Writers and TV are producers. Mm-hmm. So you and have like a writer's room. And, there's a writer's room and yeah. the writer of the week is usually on set and usually um, the showrunner can be on set as well. And so they set the tone of the episode because they're there every week and they know the tone of the show. Yeah, yeah. And so the director in TV is there to put their spin on it, but they need to be in continuity of the tone of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the that's what the writer and and showrunner or executive producer is on set as well. Adam Goldberg of the Goldbergs, it's called the Goldbergs. Mm. Adam Goldberg hates being on set, um, so he was never there. Uh, he would show up early on. He would show up once in a while um, and say a couple things, but in general, he was. They had a feed in the writers' room, and occasionally they would call down. But in general, he was not there. Mm-hmm. So we had a writer who was um, a kind of stand-in for that stand-in role. Stand-in for that role. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the writer of the week and that writer. Yeah, like some sort well. of head writer yes. in some capacity. Yeah. Um, except, except he was hired as a writer, but then ended up just being on set all the time. Hmm. Um, so yes, so he became sort of the go-to guy. And his name is Lou Schneider, and he he was on set all the time. Wonderful, wonderful person. Very, very funny. He was a writer on Everybody Loves Raymond for the entire run of the mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. He had done uh, Men of a Certain Age uh, with Ray Romano again. So he had done two shows with Ray. And then he became sort of our producing uh, producing writer on, sh- on set. Um, after season two or three, he became our producing director. He had never directed before. He feels like he could not direct outside of the Goldbergs mm-hmm. because he has no directing background other than the Goldbergs. Um, whereas Katzenberg and Seth Gordon and our other main director was uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, who was the director of um, uh, Super Troopers and uh, mm. a lot of other films. And he's also an actor. So he technically... He had a film background, a school a film school background, um, and knew directing and, and knew lighting and knew, but is also an actor, so he knew acting as well. Mm-hmm. So technically, he's one of our directors that knows the most about filmmaking, as as an art and as a, as a skill. Yeah. Um, whereas Lou, who is now one of our main directors, had no background. <laughs> right. He's a wonder. He's he is an actor. He started as an actor and a writer. So he's he knows acting, but he knew nothing technically. Sure. And he's the first person to admit that. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. when when he started directing, basically he felt like I, meaning I, 
and our DP um, were basically leading him through everything that we needed. Yeah, all the technical And like, he'd stuff. be like, he'd see something on camera, he'd be like, okay, let's turn around. I'm like, no, no. Right, right, right. <laughs> we need all the other coverage. <laughs> yeah. Um, and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's a wonderful, wonderful person and listened to everything. And now he knows how to do the show. He feels like he couldn't do another show, which may or may not be true. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, once you get those, once you get the fundamentals down, I feel. Yeah, I'm sure he. I mean, he's basically fun. he wants to retire soon anyway. Okay, sure. And he he's he has so much money from Raymond, so oh, he's good. He doesn't uh, need he, it, but uh, so now it's so what was interesting was that he was he was the person on set for years not directing. Um, but the person that sat next to the director saying we need this and we need this as a term as in terms of the tone of the show, okay, yeah, um, and working with the actors and and getting you know getting what he knew the editors would want um, or the or not the editors what the writers would want, um, but then he would see the final product and he got he knew what the editors then use ultimately. He didn't end up. He didn't sit in the editor's room until he was directing. Mm-hmm. But now that he's done that, he knows what the editors want. He knows what the writers want. He knows the tone of the show, and so he's one of our obviously main directors. Um, but he views me. <laughs> I would not say the microphone. <laughs> he views me and our DP as the people who guided him through mm-hmm. all that process. So he trusts me. Like if I say we're missing something, or if I say. I don't. I don't like to say now that I will say. I, I do say now, when when he's directing, I'll be like, "Don't you want this? Don't you want this line like this? Or don't you?" Want, and which mm-hmm. with other directors, I would never. Sure, do. that's more of a. That's a directing you've, thing. It's, you've built that yeah. rapport over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like you know, an actor is saying a line wrong, basically because they're missing something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also comes with continuity of story arc and. Yeah, so it is sure, you, can ex- you can excuse that, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, there there are certain things that I will do now that I would never do no, beforehand no, for sure. or on another sense. show. Yeah, hundred percent. Where where does the AD fit in with all of that? Because you mentioned the DP and you. Uh, sorry, and the AD. Okay. I, I meant to say the AD as well. Clear. Um, I was like maybe. Yeah, yeah for sure. Our, uh, we have. We have one AD who. Uh, so we most TV shows have alternating ADs. Okay. Uh, because they they do every other episode. So they kind of alternate with the directors. Is that the way it goes? Um, is that... Yes and no. So most most TV so most TV shows will have alternating ads for odd and even episodes because they'll they'll just do every other sure, episode because sure. they need to prep the next episode. Yeah. It if if a show has a director ad pair that they like working together, then yes, they will. They'll set them up. Well, I, I just mean when when a direct because a director can't direct every episode right. the same way an AD can. Right. Can't. So 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 Lou on our show Lou who basically does the majority of our episodes now, um, he he will primarily work with one AD, but it doesn't. He he works with our other sure, AD as sure. well, um, because we have visiting directors that have a schedule or whatever, and they want to get somebody in at a certain time. So like for example, Lou this year worked with one AD the majority of times. But at the end of the season, it, it ended up getting that he ended up working with the other AD for mm-hmm. the last few. But um, 
prior to our current um, the current situation, we had another AD for a number of years who's no longer on the show, but he only he was he only worked with Katzenberg as a director. Like they basically okay, stayed okay. together. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I guess it happened that he worked with our other directors as well, but primarily only worked with Katzenberg. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like hearing about the first season experience with yeah. um, with the that because I always feel like there's that moment on speaking non-union again here. There's I feel like there's always that moment where there's that you have to prove yourself that you know what you're doing and that you can that you're offering something that people aren't seeing and that you're you're the one that's seeing the stuff yeah. that they're missing or that kind of thing. So when you had the moment with the director where that click in the brain, and I, and I even saw it happen. Yeah, you know, and that's the I, because I, I'm definitely always keeping keeping out for that because you can you yeah. can tell when yeah. you're not really being acknowledged and you're kind of like you know you're not being included in conversations. It, it happened with our it happened with two of our directors mm-hmm. with Seth Gordon and with Jay Shondersaker, who, like I said, technically of all of our directors, I would say he is the most technically. Um, I don't want to say intelligent, but technically savvy, experienced, uh-huh. uh, because he he has done basically everything. He's edited, he's directed, he's acted. Like Seth Gordon has never acted before, as far as I know. Yeah, he's only produced and directed and edited. Whereas uh, Jay started as an actor and comedian and whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's the, and also studied film in school. Mm-hmm. So he knows all about. All of the fields. So he was somebody you did have to win over. They yes, okay. both both of them. I saw it happen with both of them. Yeah, because that's the interesting thing for me when I when I think about um, having to do that. It's like I wonder why. Like, have they never worked with a script supervisor that's offered stuff to them, or is it like yeah. it's kind of like uh, a weird? I mean, maybe it happens. Well, I I think maybe it happens with with all their script supervisors. So and again in TV you're the one that's there whereas the director is visiting right um, so I would figure you'd, so you'd be leaned on even more yes but they, but they don't necessarily trust you where they have script supervisors that they tr- have trusted in the past mm-hmm. you know where they're doing a movie and they hire the person that they want whereas on the TV they're stuck with you yeah yeah so you have to they have to learn to trust you and you have to earn their trust which shouldn't necessarily be the case but People are people, and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that happens with everybody. Yeah. You know, if I meet somebody who, if I'm going into a situation where, I mean, it happens with everybody. If I'm sure, going into a situation, sure. I don't know that I can trust you in your job. Yeah, I guess I guess I prefer. I like the idea of the approach of sweet. We're on this project together. I, you're here, and I'm here. I'm gonna have this. What's benefit of the doubt that you yeah and then kind of just lean into sure. as if I, I yeah. with we've had many directors and with all our directors there it's the two situations one is that they've had script supervisors that they've used in the past and you need to earn their trust and other directors where they come in and be like okay I can trust you you're you've been on this show for however many years yeah, yeah, yeah. and they trust you and I've had both situations for sure we we have um, two of our directors that have directed a few episodes who I love who were in were that situation. One was the actress Melissa Joan Hart, mm-hmm. who is a great director, um, and she came in and, and trusted me right away because she's like, "You've been on the show. Tell me, you know, if I'm doing something that uh, just doesn't fit with 
yeah, show yeah, yeah. or whatever. And and the writer is there, you know, the producer is there for that too. Um, we love Melissa Joan Hart, and we love we have a director named Christine Lakin who started as a, she was a child actress. Mm. Um, she was on a show called Step by Step for many years. I don't mm. know. You're too young to know that show. That sounds. I feel like I recognize the name. Um, it was in. <laughs> Uh, late '80s, early '90s, okay. uh, early '90s sitcom. Is that Nickelodeon or no? That... It was on. It was on ABC, I think. It was with Suzanne Somers and Patrick Duffy. It was like a modern day, modern day of the time of the '90s. <laughs> uh, Brady Bunch. It was yeah. like a mixed family with okay. six kids. I think, uh, like almost exactly the same, mm-hmm. but more modern. Um, but uh, yeah, she was one of the kids on the show, and she grew up and ended up ended up going much more into dancing. And was our choreographer on the show for several hmm. seasons, and then she was hired to direct, and oh, she did a great job. Very cool. And so she's now directed numerous episodes of the show. Nice. All right, I'm going to transition <laughs> from it's just something I wanted to talk about. <laughs> no, really, what I want to talk. No, the next topic is very simple to 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 start, and I am very curious to hear your take on it. It's very controversial in the script supervisor Uh-oh. community. Did, I'm, is it going to be digital? <laughs> yes. So, I, and I have very strong opinions about pen, it, actually. Pencil, paper, and then digital, and there's different formats yes. of digital. I have very strong opinions, actually, about it. Okay, great. So let's start generally, and I might, I might focus in on some sure. stuff. But yeah. So I feel like, at least in training, everybody should start pencil and paper. Everybody. Um, now, what that means... So I, I think starting with pencil and paper teaches you... Um, what you need to do for the job mm-hmm. because you're not focused on buttons and what I need to press for the job. Um, I, I, so a long time ago I used to teach math and it's the same exact thing. People were relying way mm. too heavily on calculators to do calculations because and they weren't, they weren't understanding the mechanics behind what you're doing. Yeah, the, the step-by-step process of what's actually going on. Yeah. So I'm all I'm all about starting pencil and paper. Now, of course, digital, of course, is in for most aspects is way easier, but you need to understand the mechanics of what you're doing first, um, and focusing on the job of what you're looking at as a whole. Um, in terms of digital, uh, I was a very early on. I I had Scripty on my computer very early on. Um, way long before it was what it is now, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. Sure. How? When? When was this? Nine. Uh, sorry, two thousand seven ish. Okay, like smartphone era age, kind yes. of around there. Yes. Um, and it would. There was. Uh, this is before iPads existed. Sure. Sure. Um, and it was it made the job so much harder, and uh, I will say the reason I got it in the first place I didn't want to use it. Um, our post producer, who I, I'm friendly with now, I was very mad at him because, <laughs> and I'm not going to say what show it is right now that I started it on because now that I've said it's the post producer, <laughs> um, he. He basically had done a project before the one that I worked with him on uh, where he thought that <sighs> sorry I don't, do you know what um, 
what is it called? Uh, Scripter is. I think that that's mm. what it's called. Scripter is a program that that Avid uses. I, there, I'm sure there are multiple programs that do this now that they line up in a take. It can use audio recognition. It can also do it manually where it lines up a line in the script with what the okay. person, what the actor is saying. No. So, so, so what it does yeah. is you load the script into the program mm -hmm. and it takes a take and follows this it, using audio recognition it uses the it follows the take along with the script so live on the day no in editing oh in editing okay in editing sorry yeah. in editing it it i think it's called scripter it hmm. takes a line in the script and it matches it with the actor saying the line now you can also do it manually and you say okay this point in the yeah, film yeah, yeah. matches the line in the script. This point in the film matches the line in the and script. And it's like an assistant editor kind of software where it yes. helps them kind of sync. They can, it, they can, they can click on a line and find all the clips yes. for it. Okay. That's what it does. So um, it, do, it works very well in procedural kind of dramas to do the audio automatic sync because people, the actors say the lines almost exactly. In ad-libbing kind of situations, the assistant editor needs to mm -hmm. really mark market um, so our post producer had been on a show that had that and he thought that the script supervisor had done it didn't know that the assistant editor was doing it mm. which says a lot about his position at the time sure sure um, I'm sure he has since grown as a post producer <laughs> but at the time for him to not know that was very uh, mm -hmm. not good um, I hope he's not watching. <laughs> um, but it happens. he thought that they had used Scripty, which they had not. They had used Scripter, yeah. which I think was the name of it. Yeah. And so he told that to the producers of the show that I was working on and said, oh my God, this is a great, great tool, which it is a great tool, mm -hmm. but it was the assistant editor doing tool. it in post. Yeah. And so they insisted that I get this. And at the time, Scripty was not what it was, mm -hmm. or what it has become. Yeah, it was very early. Um, yeah, sounds... And it made the job so much harder. And later on, once I started, he realized that it wasn't script, Scripty that was doing it. Um, and I was so mad. <laughs> yeah, but... like once you got the notes sent in and stuff, and it was like, why? Yeah. Yeah, and then... It was all PDFs was, and whatever. Was, yeah. So, okay, so... From that, I went back to pencil and paper after that job, <laughs> and I probably actually went back to pencil and paper during that job because I just yeah, because yeah, you mentioned earlier you had that that one show that was doing the block shooting yeah. at the five, and that's like... that's when I knew like there was no way Scripty could handle mm -hmm. what I needed to be able to do during at that time. At yeah. that time, um, then I did try Scripty. So I did. Uh, I went to pencil and paper for the first season of Wilfred. The, First season being the third season of Wilfred. Your first, yeah. My first season. Um, this when I went back, when I started on Goldberg's, I think I did use Scripty for the first few months, and I just I hated it so much. Um, it was very tough to use for mm -hmm. what I needed to for what I knew I needed to do. Even with the revision since the last time you had used it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and I had gone to iPad at that point, and I was using it on the iPad, and mm. it was. Better on the iPad, but it's still, I find that the problem with Scripty, first of all, this was also before um, 
they had two different rap reports. And even then, it was, I mean, the rap report was so ridiculously complicated. Um, what I felt I needed to be able to do, one of the problems with Scripty is that it is not customizable. Mm-hmm. I've, and I've said this for many, many years. And this is true in script supervising, and it's true in every field. Every job is different. And for a program to not be customizable is a huge flaw of the program. It is not customizable for what you need. To, every show is different, and every, every person is different and possibly wants different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... <clears throat> I ultimately, I scrapped using Scripty very early on in Goldberg's, and I went back. I didn't do pencil and paper, but I sat down probably during Christmas break, and I designed my own thing, which I still use to this day. Mm -hmm. I compiled sort of like two or three main programs that I use on the iPad, and I call myself a pencil and paper script supervisor on the iPad. That's Mm -hmm. how I do it. Everything I do is on the iPad, but it's exactly like pencil and paper, just digital. And it's so much easier. I finish in 10 to 20 minutes at the end of the night. I do my lining on. Uh, so my, my sort of workflow is that I use PDF Expert to line the script. Um, I use pages to do my facing pages. I use numbers to do my log. And I constantly just have them open. I go very quickly between the three. It's pencil and paper, but on iPad. I copy and paste mm-hmm. notes between one, you know, uh, one to the other. And at the end of the day, I compile all the facing pages and and script pages together, and I send it off. What do you do for uh, timing of the? I have a stopwatch around my neck. Oh, nice, nice. Now, having said that, I'm on a show that they don't care about that um, because the way we shoot on our show is we'll, and I'm sure a lot of shows do this too, they'll do a couple lines and then we'll go back one line and then we'll go three more lines ahead and then we'll go back two lines. There is absolutely no way to mark a series. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be like, I'll be like, um, if they say, yeah, we liked how we said that, that one that time. That was literally in the middle of a five-minute take, yeah, you know, yeah, where you luck. did the line five thousand times. Yeah. So I try to mark it if I can. Like, oh, I got a call from the assistant editor once. She was laughing hysterically because she said, and she, I mean, she said, we had an actor walk off once uh, in the middle of a take. He just was like, he was very upset about something and he walked off, and. Um, so the director really liked a line, the way the line was said at some point. So I marked it as the way he said it, like one before the when he walked off. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and she found, I mean, she found it. And, sure, sure. You know. It's easy to find right there. <laughs> um, but she, she, I, she didn't call me. She emailed me. She said I was laughing hysterically at that note, mm-hmm. which means, which I was very happy she was reading the notes. <laughs> right, right. Wait, the note's great. Thank you for seeing that. Um, but that's how I started to mark things. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, I'll number lines. I don't uh, generally do that because of the way we shoot. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm working on something where I know it will make make a difference, I do number them. But all my stuff is done basically writing. I mean, I type the notes up, of course, but um, I still line by hand and 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, being that you've been on the the same show, it makes sense that you, you you've got your basically your sheets designed for for how the show works. And in th- hypothetically speaking, if you did land another gig, you would just kind of make alterations to what that yeah. show needs. There's if, yeah, if, there's if nothing that is uneditable in my world. It's all changeable, but it works very well. Like I said, it's exactly like pencil and paper, just on an iPad. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, my rap report is very simple. I think the scripty rap report looks unbelievably confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, my rap report is very simple, and not only that, it's all done on numbers, but it's very clean. So I basically put in the numbers, and it does all the math. Not that I couldn't. I mean, it's so. When script supervisors you, complain about the math, it drives me insane. What, what it math? is not hard math. What math do script supervisors complain? Like the page they page Adding counts? page counts and adding time. I've heard that too. Fractions can be difficult for people. Yeah, they're, they're not all they math. They should not be. They're not, they're not all math teachers. <laughs> people, people think in fractions all the time. No, I have no issue. I, I, I studied uh, engineering before um, script supervising. So fractions... fractions should not be difficult to add an eighth and five eighths. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. And if you if you don't understand it, that's totally fine. But you need to sit down and learn it. <laughs> because if your computer crashes, you need to be able to add. <laughs> add those fractions. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I'm being so tough on it, adding it, fractions. It gets really complicated. I'm just going to like half jokingly here. It gets really complicated when you have two and seven eighths page plus a one and three eighths sure. page. For sure. Then, but, For sure. Now, I will yeah. say, like I said, I and I don't do it anymore because I have it all set up, including in my breakdown, um, because I don't use a scripty mm-hmm. breakdown. I do my own breakdown, It's and I have it set up. And at the end of the last column in my breakdown is the page count. So I'll just write in five eighths or whatever, you know, and then the next thing is one and three eighths. And uh, numbers, and I'm sure Excel does too, they have a setting to put things in eighths. So I'll mm. write it in eighths. And at the bottom of that column, I say, add all the numbers in the column. Sure, and sure. it shows, so it adds them all up for me. I don't have to add it up. Um, I do add up every day what we're shooting mm-hmm. because I go by my breakdown in the page counts for the end of the day. Oh, versus what the call sheet says. Yeah. Yes. Um, because, and, and the, the second ADs will use my page counts okay. on the call sheet mm-hmm. unless something is really weird because we're shooting in parts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the week, if mine doesn't zero out, I get really nervous and upset because I have used my page counts that added by the computer, so it should zero out, no right. matter what. Uh, yeah, it have to be human error on the input at some right. point. Yeah. Right. Um, no, for sure, I get it. <laughs> I I just know like I have to go back to into like elementary school mode sometimes. I'm like, all right, the two plus the three, we have ten eights. We got to move the one over. <laughs> well, I I hate to say this, but I hope all script supervisors. I hope all script supervisors have passed elementary school. <laughs> For sure. And even middle school. Ideally. Because being a script supervisor, you have to be a very intelligent person to be able to to be able to figure out all the stuff you need to f- be able to figure out because there is so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so back to all right, so that's what that's how you've catered your own workflow. So yes. when you say 
let's say you have to get somebody to fill in for you for the day and then you're calling somebody that you've never worked with and then like and you ask like what's your preference on what they're working with is it is the, it scare it scripty um, if they say pen and paper do you get scared or like what's the uh i don't know of any union script supervisors now that are pen and paper um i th- assume most are digital or every, all the ones that would fill in for me are digital mm-hmm. um if they were pen and paper i would find that a little odd because in general <laughs> you'd be like why <laughs> exactly because yeah. at the end of, the thing the thing that it helps being digital the most i think is the end of the day you don't have to find a sure. copier anymore and you just send off the notes for for sure that's the one huge benefit <laughs> yeah the scanning and stuff i mean yeah. that's so much extra time that you don't need um but because everything that i do is pencil and paper but on digital sure it doesn't matter to me what they do because the output of all of those systems is PDF. Mm-hmm. And that's all I need to add it into mine. Okay. And that's why it bugs me when people say, well, I need to find somebody that's scripty. Really? You just, you're basically saying all these people can't work for you. Yeah, for sure. So. I would never want to be in that position to tell someone, sorry, you can't do it because you're using a program that. I don't like scripty, but I don't care if you use it. Mm-hmm. I think the I think the look of it, like my notes are way cleaner than what scripty looks like. Um, but if you're gonna use, if you're happy with it, if that helps you, fine. I know people who love scripty, mm-hmm. and they filled in for me before. Okay, so yeah, you don't. So there's from from your perspective. Because I, I was trying to see if you would take a side, but well, no more. My <laughs> side is that I hate scripty. <laughs> Sorry, but, but it's not you're not gonna you're yeah, not gonna no, keep people, somebody off your off, Tim, no yeah. Tim uh, Tim who filled in for me he uses scripty yeah and you get the notes you're like all right sweet these are yeah it's fine because it's yeah um, I I do find the scripty notes are are much more uh, harder much more hard to read mm. than than if you're doing it as your own sort of make it neat yeah yeah because yeah because it's uncustomizable mm-hmm. it's just like the big block there yeah. Um, but yeah, people have filled in for me with Scripty. People have filled in for me with Scarrett. I will say the one I do like the most of all the digital systems, and I think if I went digital to one of the systems, it would be this one, is the, um, uh, is the Movie Magic one. Hmm. Not Movie. Uh, it's the one... I have it on my iPad. Uh, it's the one that started as a sound one. It's like some sort of Slate app or something. Uh, yeah, Movie Slate, sorry. Yeah, movie, movie Slate, slate. okay. Yeah. That, that one is the most customizable uh, and looks the most like what I do yeah. with my thing. Um, the thing that I don't like about it is the lining um, because it, uh, and this is just a preference, they, it uses like all different colors and, and I like everything to look sleek mm-hmm. and I feel like that makes it look very busy and yeah. harder to read. Mm-hmm. Um, Movie Slate I think is a good one. And I suspect scriptation is good. I have not tried it. Mm. Yeah, because I know, like, I had a uh, so, somebody reach out to me that was newer and wanted to just pick my brain a little bit, and I was, and they were asking about the apps too, and they're like, yeah. "What about? What are your thoughts on this? I've heard the good things about Movie Slate." Or and I'm like, "I have no idea what that yeah, is." Yeah, Movie Slate is um, <clears throat> it's very similar to just pencil and paper, but just all digital. Mm-hmm. 
the only flaw, one of the flaws of Movie Slate is that it, and this is true of all digital programs, because the way it has to create the files is very orderly. And so when you're trying to find something, you have to, you, the way to go back to something is a mm. little bit difficult oh, because okay. everything has its place. Yeah. Um, but look-wise, it's sort of the most natural one. Yeah. Okay. All right. And if they, and most sound mixers use Movie Slate. Um, and so if there was a way to, uh, at some point, sync that would be great. Hmm. Um, like so, every day, every night, I do my circles with the with the sound mixer, and it would be great if we could just <laughs> touch iPads. <laughs> there you go. Airdrop each other. The but thing but I don't use Movie Sleep. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think either Movie Sleep or Scriptation are the yeah, two. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, all right. So another thing I wanted because I know. Back in the day when, when we would have the, the script supervisor meetups, I remember hearing you talk about um, your process with video feed. Mm -hmm. So I was curious on the evolution of that for yourself, on going from pencil paper in the early days to your process now. And um, So my, I think my process of video feed is probably different from most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still the same, and I think... If I were on any other show, I would have to figure out a new process. Mm. Um, so my process of video feed is uh, I basically sit my computer by the monitor. You have your laptop. I right? have a laptop mm -hmm. uh, that sits by the monitor. I have a MacBook Pro, which has two inputs, and we use two cameras all the time. And so I have two um, uh, Blackmagic mini recorders. And so my... Uh, my computer just takes in the feed of the two monitors. Um, and then I use Security Spy. And so Security Spy has a setting where you can just take uh, pictures. It just continuously takes pictures and saves them into a file. Um, and so I have it set to take pictures every two seconds for both cameras. And uh, so basically, all day, my computer is just taking whatever the video feed is and taking pictures every two seconds. And if I need to check a picture, I do. Um, because obviously it's taking thousands of pictures, but it's but after a sh very short period of time, I got very used to being able to find things mm -hmm. very quickly. Because it's just in order of what you're shooting. Sure, sure. And the most recent thing you're shooting, which is generally what I'm going to be looking for, is just at the bottom. And it's easy enough to start and stop the two second yes. function like it's like all right roll equivalent of like we're rolling hit well the... I, I no i let it i just it i don't even sit by the computer i mean it's just like if i'm watching the monitor the computer is just like over here okay and it's just rolling all the time so it's even just even when set up all right yeah interesting okay so there's that so if when i work on a commercial which obviously I, like i said i've i've done maybe three or four commercials in my entire life mm -hmm. But um, I use my computer on the commercial. I don't do the iPad on the commercial. Well, I have, uh, sorry. Yeah, I've done, uh, generally on commercial, I use my computer because that way I just have it set to take the feed in directly and I just use my computer because lining isn't as important mm -hmm. on a commercial. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason I use my iPad is because it's easy to line on an iPad. Okay. So what... 
How long have you been ro rolling with with that? Uh, um, okay, so you have been doing that the whole time. All right. uh, uh, I wasn't sure if that was like a newer approach. Like maybe you had tried other. Cause I, there are other video feed software. I'm trying to remember how I did it before because my computer is 2015. So I couldn't have been doing that before season three. I don't remember what I did before that. So you've been you've been on that for okay. Maybe I did it with just one. No, I don't remember. Mm, maybe it'll come back to you later. Maybe I was just taking pictures. I, I might have just been taking pictures with my iPhone of the monitor. Hmm. Probably that's what I was doing. Okay. Yeah, because my. When when I script supervise, because that's like the weird thing about I'm 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 curious to hear what your take is on screen grabs in general. With my assumption is in Union World, we're told that like nobody's going to ask you for the screen grabs; those are for your own yes. personal use because there's uh, either the DNT or the VTR. Uh, VTR no, that's not true. Out. That's not true. Uh, so we. Most shows don't have VTR. Most TV right, that's like commercial primarily. Yeah. yeah, commercials have VTR. Uh, DIT will not play back stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's mostly for you, but occasionally I'll ask, someone will say, can I see something? And you're like, no. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, for sure, for sure. Then I have to, that's the thing, then I have to go find it. Right, right. Um, but in general, uh, I mean, in general, nobody's going to, People don't generally ask to see something. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't ask to see video. They they want to see a shot or whatever. Mm -hmm. If well, they ask, if they want to see video, they'd have to ask DIT. Yeah, because you also mentioned, of course, that everybody, for for the most part, is is on their A game and, and more experienced. Yeah. So they, it's not necessarily as reliant on you to have cover their backs because yeah. they've already got their backs covered. I mean, in general, like. I'll sometimes in between takes when people are resetting or whatever. If I need to see something, I'll just look very quickly, mm -hmm. and so I'll sometimes I'll just quickly send that picture to my iPad, and um, it'll be available if anybody wants to see anything. But yeah, I guess I guess one thing that I'm I'm curious to get clarified for. I don't know, I guess like script supervisors just starting out that are jumping on sets where they're being asked for stuff that maybe they don't have a video feed going or what the expectation is for a script supervisor on the... Well, I mean, I think the expectation is if you're not going to have a picture of it, then you need to know what someone did at some point, which obviously, like I said earlier, it's, it's impossible to watch everything. Mm -hmm. So that, that video feed it can be important. Um, or just um, what I tended to do, I'm sure, if I wasn't having a video feed, is I would just take a picture of the widest shot possible right, right. of the monitor, so you know what you've seen, what you can see in the background. And I'm sure I did that. Yeah, yeah, for, no, sure, for sure. Taking a picture of the monitor. Yeah, because having that available. And that is one. That is one perk of uh, Apple. Not to not to say one thing or another, but. Like I will take a picture on my phone and just airdrop it to my computer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you don't need internet and you don't need Wi-Fi for that. Yeah, that makes it nice and seamless. Yeah, yeah, because because I guess being okay, me in my oh, it's my earlier years, the last year. 
when I was younger. I bumped into um, scenarios where, like, I guess my my personal approach, because I I work from iPad, and, and I do the the photo of the of the thing, and I I like I. I have to, I'm bad at taking photos. So like I try to remember at least like one once per setup or if, yeah. if something specific is happening, I know I need to watch for something. I'll, I'll, I'll get a photo of it. But yeah. for the most part, that isn't like a first priority for me. So I had been on sets early on where there is an expectation of like somebody from art will come over or a producer will come and check in. It's like, wait, you don't have a, like, why, are you, why don't you have all the photos that we need? And I'm like, wait, am I supposed to be providing photo? Yeah, like, you should not be. Sure, which which is, yeah, which I wanted to get. And, and, yeah. and for sure, I've had wardrobe. I remember early on, we had one one uh, costumer that came to me. and She's like, do you happen to have a photo of this? Mm-hmm. And she wasn't expecting me to, yeah, but yeah. she because she knew my computer was generally running that yeah. I probably did. And she's like, please, like yes. this one time, I need yeah. help. One time and then three more times. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. that often. I mean, they were generally very good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is not your job to provide photos. For sure. They have 24 photos a second. <laughs> Yeah, there's all. I mean, that's that's one thing I talked about with Sarah Gerritsen too. She was talking about, and you mentioned the anxiety of like, of certain certain moments of like having to catch stuff and yeah. watch stuff. But she mentioned the the perfectionism like mindset where like I don't want to mess up on anything. I want to yeah. know what all the answers are. If I don't have the answer, I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst script supervisor. Yeah, ever. I mean, th- this is the thing though. I've had producers say. Do you have a photo of this, or do you have um, what happened here? It is the expectation. You, you, it is not your job to take a photo, but it is the expectation that you will know something. That you have the answer. Yes, which yeah. is unfortunate if you don't. And like I said, you can't watch everything. Right. And it, that's and that's of course the memory that they're going to have of like, oh, well, they didn't know this and they didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, again, Sarah Gerritsen mentioned a specific moment where. She didn't have the answer this one time, and she was freaking out. And they're like, "Don't worry, like we can do playback right there. It's fine." Like that kind of was that it kind VTR or was I, it? I forget what the issue was. I don't. I think it was like well, because it was non-union, non-union world, so it was probably just the DP could run the camera and just they could yeah. watch it again. Yeah, uh, um, on our show, the, um, but I don't know. What, yeah, they, they they do they do, they do play stuff like when stunts they want to watch something back. Um, in yeah. general, they try not Playback to watch doesn't it. happen too often. Yeah. Um, but in that case, she didn't have the answer, and they were like, well, we can yeah. just go back and look. It's fine. Yeah. Um, don't worry about it. It used to be like they used to... I remember years ago, it was like, oh, we can't play back. It'll ruin the <laughs> And then you're like, what are you talking about? Um, on digital, they weren't running film? Because film is different. Well, no, they would never. You can't play back <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah. That, for sure, you can't play back. Like you can't roll that back. But for digital, they would be like, oh, no, we can't play it back. I'm like, really? Because it's creating a file that is not going to delete. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. But in general, they, no, for they, sure. they, don't like, they don't like to play back stuff. And we generally don't play back stuff because we run, we run takes so many times. That you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of... If there's anything else I'm missing here that I'm I'm thinking somebody might want to know, but 
I feel like we covered a lot of good I felt stuff. Like I, I felt like I was very polarizing on certain <laughs> topics. We'll see what happens. Well, I think that's kind of the that's kind of the interesting aspect for me too. Is like, again, as a script supervisor, you're a one person team, and you never. Aside I would love from, to have an assistant. Yeah, aside from that one time that you ended up on set with another script supervisor, and you're like, I guess we're here together. Let's figure this out. Well, I, I will say on that job. Uh, the, the producer who hired me was someone I'd worked with on a lot of low budget films. And I was the one, she was like, Oh yeah, we have it in the budget to hire two people. I'm like, okay. And okay. so I was the one that called Shannon okay, and okay. said, I don't know how this is going to work, so but, but sh- they're hiring two people. So let's do it. Yeah. And it's a union movie. Um, that was, uh, I don't think it ever made it anywhere. It was called what love is. And it was directed and written by a guy named Mars Callahan who'd done an, another movie called Pool Hall Junkies and that was mm-hmm. like his sort of bigger movie. And it was, uh, he directed and starred in it and you could tell, mm. oh, that that's why he had two script supervisors because he was, he, he was starring in it and he wanted sort of two sets of eyes on it. Um, but it was terrible because every time he cut and watched the footage, you could tell he was only looking looking yeah, at himself. Shocks, man. Um, very is, nice guy, but yeah, that happens. Uh, but I imagine, I imagine, I, hope he want to. <laughs> I imagine the dynamic between you and the other script soup would have been like almost like a sporting event, like referees, where you where you where you're watching the action and then you have to confer on like. I feel you, like we throw the flags. Yeah, I, I feel like at. At the start of it, we kind of delineated the jobs. Yeah, you mentioned. So you. But then over time, it was like, you know, like I said, you can't watch everything. And like, if someone asks us a question, like if I didn't see it, like, some, did you see it? <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you can't help but watch. Yeah, of course. Stuff. Yeah, because especially if you're a union script supervisor, you're so used to it. I mean, to this day, like if I'm if I hear if I'm passing by a set or whatever. And I hear rolling. If I'm visiting someone, I like I go like this. <laughs> um, That's funny. When I first started out, when I when you're not used to having a stopwatch around your neck, I would go to sleep at night and feel it, like the phantom feeling of the oh, stopwatch. Dang. Stuck at do, work. do you not wear a stopwatch? Or I I don't. So, I, I stopwatch from my phone. Okay. I, uh, I oh. yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I have the because I I studied with Randy Feldman. Yeah, me too. And um, I have my physical one because I, I, yeah, I found I refound it again. I'm like, oh my gosh, I still have it. But I, but normally I just have my. I kind of hate that I drain my battery doing it sometimes. But yeah, I don't. Um, I I mean I have I, my phone on set all day, but I don't yeah, use it at all for. Yeah, if I need it, I like the how quiet it is with my. The only time so. I use my phone for work purposes now is. Um, I have data on my phone and I only have a Wi-Fi iPad. So on stage and set, we always have Wi-Fi. But if we're ever in a situation where I need like on to send the notes at the end of the day and I'm, the Wi-Fi is just terrible, I will... Mm-hmm. I, I You'll hotspot it. No. Uh, I, you can't hotspot on AT&T. At least you... Unless... I don't... I, think I, you ha- can, I have AT&T. I hotspot, really? yeah. Do you pay extra for that? No. You have to show me how to do it. Right. <laughs> I, it. Tethering was like illegal at the time, or or you had to pay extra for it. I don't anyway, think it's tethering. 
Um, anyway, uh, so I will just uh, sure, I'll airdrop show the notes to my phone and then. Oh, okay, so, that works too. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. You'll have to show me how to. Yeah, we'll see. I, I wonder if. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, okay. The the point being. We're not is, doing that. <laughs> the point being is, as a script supervisor, you don't often get to check each other's notes and how do you do this? How would you do this? What's your thought process? How, what's your, we don't even get to witness each other on set do stuff. Like at least yeah. when you're pursuing the camera stuff, you work your way up on the AC side, you see how the DP's working, you see the gaffer light. Yeah. But for us, it's just like, well, we, we studied and we find what works. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and as long as, yeah. So it's weird. So it, uh, it is nice to hear because of course you've been doing it for plenty, and it's like all right, this is twenty what, years. <laughs> twenty years, you roll your eyes at it. I, I can't believe it's twenty years. Congratulations! I can't believe like when I first started, I was looking for the older script supervisors for advice or whatever, <laughs> and now I'm now I'm the oldest script supervisor. Oh no! But I but I will say, the the horrible horrible thing about it is that I'm coming to a time now where Goldberg's maybe ending we may do another season but it's going to end soon sure, enough sure. and i have stopped getting calls mm. i mean i do not get calls anymore and like i said i had that one interview which is the first call i gotten in ages and i didn't get the job when goldberg's ends i have no idea mm. that's i mean back in 2000 back in 2011 12 13 i was very fortunate that like my career was i was getting all kinds of calls i did party down i did uh, Children's Hospital. I did uh, Wilfred, and then from that, and even the even to go to um, the Goldbergs. Sorry, excuse me. Um, even to go to the Goldbergs, I. Th this is how I got the job on the Goldbergs. Um, I had absolutely no job prospect. Wilfred was ending. Mm -hmm. One of our uh, showrunners on Wilfred, uh, super nice guy. Um, I said, you know. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no job opportunity. And he said, well, uh, my friend Adam had just had, a, I know him from our writer's group. His pilot was just picked up. Maybe he needs somebody. And I said, well, if they did a pilot, they probably have somebody. Mm, and, right, right. And, but he, he, he sent a text to Adam. And this is what the text said. Now, he, Wilfred is a very dark comedy. He's a very funny writer. He said, you know, uh, we're, uh, I have a script supervisor who's great. His name is Ari. Um, he's wondering if you, know, uh, if you guys need a script supervisor. He loves nothing more than to supervise scripts. <laughs> no, of course, it was a joke. <laughs> the, you know. Uh, <laughs> but that was like the tagline of the, of the text. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so a couple weeks later, I get, the call, I get this call from the UPM. And he said, oh, yeah, we did a pilot. We have someone already. And I was like, okay, that, that, that's it. That's a dead end. Mm -hmm. A few weeks after that, I got another call from the UPM, the same guy, uh, who said, so are you still available for an interview? I had no idea what happened between those two time periods. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, I'm available. So, uh, so I go to the interview and... My interview, which normally would have been with Adam, was not. Mm -hmm. uh, he was busy doing something else. I got interviewed by Lou, who is this writer-producer that... Which, even to this day, 
I don't know why he was in the interview because he wasn't. He was a writer on the show. He wasn't like the onset person. He wasn't meant to be the onset person. Yeah, yeah. That sort of happened. Yeah. So I inter- I interviewed with him and with Seth Gordon, who had directed the pilot. I understand why I met with him. He had directed the pilot, and he was going to be directing some episodes, multiple yeah. episodes. I have no idea why Lou was why Lou was there. I'm happy he was. When I was waiting, I was sitting in the waiting room, waiting to be interviewed. And I, I like tell I like telling the story. I hope you don't mind. No, please, uh, please. What time? Sorry, what time is it? By the way, it is. We're near. It's twelve fifty-two. Oh. Um, so this is a little bit of a story, but basically, totally tangentially, nothing to do with script supervisor or anything. About two weeks before, um, a friend of mine who uh, who likes the Dixie Chicks. Um, we, we sat down and watched the movie Shut Up and Sing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a documentary about the, uh, the Dixie Chicks scandal. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know what Not happened. familiar. Okay, so, so this happened in 2008. My interview was in 2012. Okay. Oh, sorry, the, sorry the, the scandal happened a couple years before 2008. I don't remember exactly. Maybe about 2003. I, I don't remember. But... Um, Basically, they were in. Do you know the Dixie Chicks? Yes. Is that a yes? No, <laughs> Dixie Chicks is a. I know they're, the name. They're 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 a female yeah. a trio. They yeah. sing country pop country. I think it's probably why I'm not too familiar. But yeah, um, I know the name. But they were very popular in the early 2000s. Very very popular. And they were at a show in England, in London, and in the middle at the time George W. Bush was president. And a lot of liberal liberals hated him, thought he was an idiot, which he pretty much was. Um, nothing compared to Trump. But sorry, not to bring politics <laughs> into this. But um, anyway, a lot of people didn't like him. But he was at his highest approval rating at that point. And they were in London, and they they were in the middle of a show, and Natalie Maines, who was the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were in between songs, and she was just talking to the audience and talking about how they're from Texas, and mm. said something to the effect of they were, how they were ashamed that the president was from Texas. Mm. It was basically there was a camera way in the back who, that caught this on camera, and uh, the audience. I mean, it's such a big stadium, like barely heard it. You could barely tell what she said, but there was a little applause. It was so nothing. It was so nothing. So a week later, uh, some in some English newspaper printed it uh, that that had happened, and it got picked up by the American news, and it created this huge scandal. Like she, she never, she should never have said that outside of the U.S. and whatever, you know. Well, now George W. Bush, I mean, is known as like this complete idiot, but at the time he was at his highest approval rating, mm-hmm. and uh, it created this huge. Uh, thing for them because they were country singers and yeah and that's like it, it pre was, that's like pre cancel culture and yes. all that social media stuff right so yeah and so like they had like they lost all their sponsorship they lost their tour everything and it was like sort of like the downfall of the okay. Dixie Chicks it was okay. a huge event at the time mm-hmm. and so in two thousand eight they they came out with this song called Not Ready to Make Nice which they ended up winning a Grammy for but it was sort of the story of what had happened and. Um, and a, d- a documentary called Shut Up and Sing came out about 
the whole rise and fall of the Dixie Chicks. And uh, the title comes from a letter that they had received, that she had received, Natalie Maines had received from some fan, someone who had been a fan saying, basically, you know, shut up and sing. Mm. Don't talk about your views. Yeah. And so, uh, okay, so that happened, that movie came out in 2008. So I had seen it, I, at the time in 2008, I knew the Dixie Chicks vaguely. I didn't really know any of their songs except a couple of them. But I was always fascinated by the scandal, and so I went to see the movie. It's a very good movie. I was taken by the fact that in this documentary, there's a camera way, way up in the audience that catches this moment. Now, the rest of the documentary, you understand that they were filming you know, what's going on, what happens to them. But it's very fortunate that they have this one shot, because you need that one shot. You need to see the impetus of how it all started. And it, again, it's so nothing. And it grew into this huge, huge event. And I always thought, even at the time when I saw the original movie, that it was very fortunate that they had this shot. Because without it, you have no movie. Mm -hmm. And so in 2012, when I, or 2012 or 13, when I interviewed for the job, about two weeks before, totally coincidentally, a friend of mine uh, who loves the song Not Ready to Make Nice, which was born out of this event, it was like one of her running songs, you know, she's a huge runner. And mm. she was telling me about that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love, well, I love the story behind it because of this, this movie. And she had never heard of the movie. Mm. So we sat down and watched the movie. And I told her how interesting it was that they had this one shot in this documentary because without it, there's no movie. And so two weeks later, I'm sitting in the waiting room to meet with Seth Gordon and Lou, who I thought I was meeting with Adam. I didn't know I was meeting with them. So I'm sitting waiting to meet with them, and I look up on my phone, Seth Gordon, to see what he's done, because I don't know him at all. Like I said, I didn't know anybody going to this job. I, uh, our Wilford producer had sent a text to Adam saying he loves nothing more than to supervise scripts. <laughs> um, and I see that, uh, that Seth Gordon was a producer on, Not Red, on Shut Up and Sing. Mm. And I totally coincidentally had seen it for a second time two weeks before. And so we go into the, I go into the interview, we're talking, and oh, one of the other movies he had been a producer on was a documentary called um, The King of Kong, mm, which is... I a, have seen that one. Yes. So that he was a producer one. on that. I and that I, one. I've never seen I've heard of it. I've never seen it. That's good. And so I go into this interview, and we're talking, and they can tell I'm very much a nerd. I, I wear that. We haven't talked about the trivia stuff, but I host mm. trivia nights, and I'm, I was a math teacher. I'm very much a nerd. I'm... I like that badge, whatever. Own you own it. Yeah, I'm not a star. I'm not a Star Wars person. That's like Adam Goldberg is a huge nerd, but he's a Star Wars nerd. So other than, like we're both big TV nerds, but I was never like a Star mm -hmm. Wars person. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we're talking, and they can tell that I'm very nerdy or whatever. And you know the interview is going fine. And at the end of the interview, I said, you know, I have to say you're a producer on a movie that I love, and. I can tell, like, Lou is looking at me, like, saying which one. And uh, and I can tell that they think I'm going to say the King of Kong mm. because just the way the conversation has gone. And I say, shut up and sing. And Lou goes, oh, you weren't expecting to say that, were you? <laughs> and so we're talking about that for a minute. And I said, you know, I have to say, and I said this when it came out in 2008, and I just totally coincidentally happened to see the movie two weeks ago. I have to say, I think it's amazing mm. that you have that shot because without that shot, there is no movie. You have to see the impetus. 
and as they had they had said that they were uh, just documenting the tour. They didn't know that it was gonna. They were just they happened right. to have a camera rolling because they were documenting the tour. And I, so I said, you know, I find it amazing that you have this one shot uh, because without it, you don't have a movie. And he and Seth goes, I shot that. And from that, at that point, I was like, okay, I think I have the job. <laughs> I think I have the job now. Oh, nice, nice. Because <laughs> uh, I just complimented him on like the one thing. The whole that, the reason the whole movie works yeah. at all. <laughs> Dang, he shot it. Uh, and so, uh, and again, like I said, on set, Seth was, he didn't trust me clearly at first, but well, he was always nice to me. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professional. Um, cordial. But to this day, Lou still will never forget the text. He's mm. like, I just always remember that he loves nothing more than to supervise scripts. Supervise scripts. It's what we do. Yes. But it was said, of course, yeah, it was yeah, said yeah. as a total joke. No, no, for sure. But, for sure. But uh, Cause it stuck with him. Yeah, no, it's a good one. And I only know that I probably saw the text at the time when he sent it. I'm not because I'm probably I probably said what did you write, but it, but Lou reminds me of yeah, that. Yeah, it's a nice all the time. it's a nice inside joke that's continued since. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine I feel like because you mentioned um, the unknown of like life after the Goldbergs, I feel like my gut says it sounds like it's going to be something similar to the story you just told, or it's like well. The show's ending, yeah. and you have all these connections here, and so they'll, they'll so as stuff. as an example, uh, we just finished our season eight, and about a month ago, uh, our producer, who is our our line producer, who is she's one of the best producers I've ever worked with. I mean, she's the most loyal and um, Adam Adam Goldberg is is crazy. I mean, he's a super nice guy, but he gets in his head about, you know, it's called the Goldbergs, and he hasn't been with the show for a couple of years, but for seasons one through seven, mm-hmm. we did so many reshoots because for, for nothing. I mean, like a line that he didn't like, or oh, okay. we would just get pages of reshoots, and we, we probably could have been a four-day show because the amount of, that we were reshooting we would have to film the episode in four days and then reshoot, do reshoots for a day. Mm-hmm. Since he left the show in season seven, we haven't done any reshoots, I don't think. Mm. And the majority of the reshoots that we did were so nothing. I mean, like, yeah. just so yeah. unnecessary. Because he just would get in his head. And, and Annette, who is our producer, who is this wonderful producer, would, I mean, if it weren't for her, we would have done 10,000 more reshoots. Mm-hmm. She would talk him down from a ledge mm, yeah, every day. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said, it's called the Goldbergs, and he can do that. But she would talk him down from ten thousand more reshoots that we would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so she's this wonderful producer. And about a month ago, she emailed me and she said uh, we have a possible pilot in May. Uh, sorry, in April. Um, mm. It's we don't know specific dates yet, but we'll let you know. Because she does a pilot every year, um, and just, then comes back just, to the just for fun, yeah. Well, yeah, no, 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 whatever. I'm yeah, that's a um, so I'm like, great. So, but then by the, when I emailed her back, she a few days later, she said because this is this was during our hiatus week a few uh, some weeks ago. She said, "Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the director already has pod. Pro- I think already has someone that they want to use." I'm like, okay, you know. 
So, had a job. Not have a job. Mm -hmm. But I. But the hope is that you work with these people and you develop these relationships. And I think Annette. Now the problem is Annette, who will hire me, I think, in a second, on any single camera show, also does multicam, and I have no multicam experience. And she has said she will not hire me for multicam. She told you that. She has told me that until I get multicam experience. Hmm. And I'm like, interesting. Interesting, for sure. <laughs> and so I've tried to learn multicam, but who's going to hire you on a multicam Without until you multi have multicam experience? There's always... And every the, uh... script supervisor has gone through that. <laughs> yeah. What's the, what's the main concern between jumping between single and multi? It's just the whole workflow? The like whole just, workflow, yeah. Okay. yeah. And oh. from what I understand, from what I understand, multicam is way easier. But I don't know that for a fact. I've been told that, um, but I don't know the workflow, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've tried to learn. But who's going to hire you without being without <laughs> doing it? Yeah. I understand with single cam, like you, you get started in these low, low, low budget, you know, two day films or short films or whatever, and you learn the workflow. Whereas multicam, there's no. There's no low-budget college student doing a multicam. <laughs> I've, I've been on some crazy multicam indies. If, I don't it, think that... I, it, I will say it's going to be different. Than, like, like different. I did that multicam, uh, that film that with the dual script supervisors that was filmed like a multicam. We did not script supervise it like a multicam. Okay. I don't think. I don't uh, know. I we, guess I we, guess we sort of did a hybrid. I, I guess, guess there's a difference between shooting with multiple cameras and yes. multicam show. Yes, there like absolutely that's is. Different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we shoot with two and three cameras all the time on yeah. Yeah. It's just a different workflow and it's there's the expectation of the notes is different. Um, the notes are done differently. Mm. And the expectation of the director and producers is different. Okay. Um, Dang. Yeah, it's uh, because because you have multiple cameras in a proscenium. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about coverage; it's more about the lines. But your the expectation of continuity is still there, even though you're running takes that are much much longer. Yeah, that's interesting. And then there's something called a laugh spread, where if you're if you're working on sitcom, um, where when you're in rehearsal, you have to make sure you time it out for. Uh, where the laughter is going to be? Yeah, like Big Bang Theory style and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that, like, from what I, I don't, I don't remember the exact timing, but like, Big Bang Theory laugh spread is going to be way different than a show that's not funny. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I'm sure like actual material of Big Bang Theory, if a show's, you know, 22 minutes, it was probably like 18. Or something yeah, like yeah, because they pause so much. Yeah. Um, all right, I, I think. I think I'll. I mean, we're we're pretty much at time. I don't know. We didn't talk about trivia at all. We can end with trivia. The re the thing that was interesting to me about trivia was I was curious on how um, why what trivia does for you. Like, if you also host, I have a game tonight. You have a game tonight. Yeah. So, I have six games this week. Oh dang! All right, you're professional in trivia. Oh yeah, it's become right, yeah, it's become a second business. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a f uh, 
it's not lucrative enough to be a full-time career. Sure, sure. It's just like a fun side thing. It's, it's a side gig that's getting more frontal and more frontal, especially during hiatus times. Dang. All right, so what what does that entail? Like, like people know you, you're trivia guru, and you have yes. kind of like games set up, and you... you... Yes, yeah, so unfortunately, during COVID, it has made me prosper, and I hate to say that I've prospered during COVID, um, mm-hmm. because so many people are not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically, before COVID, I had a small, small, small side gig called Superscript Trivia that I would go and do like a birthday party or, you know, run a trivia game at a birthday party or a game night. I did like a wedding the night, the day before a wedding for all the out of town guests. You know, I ran a trivia game because they needed, you know, activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was probably once every four months or something that mm-hmm. I would do something. When COVID happened uh, and nobody was leaving their house, I went virtual. I took it virtual. Yeah. And I figured out the best way to do a pub trivia game over Zoom. And I ran a couple games for some different people. And it has skyrocketed. And so I've done, you know, so many so many companies are so tired of the cocktail hour where their their employees are just on Zoom having to talk to each other. They want a structured activity where they can do an office mixer but have someone leading a structured activity. That's okay, fine. Okay. So I have done a ton of law firms and tax firms and I so I have a game tonight that is for a company called Bread Wallet that is an e a Bitcoin Okay, okay. Company that they are, I don't, I think they're based in Chicago. I'm not quite sure. But all their employees work from home. And so they're having a game night as an office, you know, fun game night. Yeah, an office hang. Um, the new age. And this is my second game for them. Uh, and it started because one of the employees was on a game night for a birthday party. Um, and she was like, oh, this would yeah, be yeah, fun yeah. to do for my office. And so this is my second game with them. I do a ton of games for a company called Epic, which they're based in North Carolina. They're 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 the company. They're the video game company that makes Fortnite. Epic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done probably ten to fifteen games for them. Um, and every time I'm I'm like, is this going to be a repeat group? Because I need to know because I want, I have material. Right. I have enough material for multi, many games. It's just if I'm going to have new people. I want to use repeat material so that I'm not exhausting all my material. And most of the games are new games. I mean, I, this is a huge company. Um, so Right, so they have many employees. They have and, thousands of employees. Yeah. And so like, I'm doing a game for 30 people, mm-hmm. and the next time I'm doing another game for 30 people, it's completely it's different. It's a different group. Because yeah. they, they have a morale office that this woman in the morale office when she tells them, oh, I have a guy that does trivia games, and they're like, okay, great. And she'll, so she'll tell me, okay, this is a new group. This is a new group. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and that's her sole job is morale for the company. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you're, that's awesome. Um, and so, and it's gotten so big that I've had to hire hosts, independent hosts, because, like, especially at Christmas in December, at that time of year when everybody wanted office parties for ho- the holiday, um, I one week I had eleven games, and so like, and everybody always wants a Thursday. <laughs> mm. I don't know why, but Thursday is really popular. Getting, getting people pumped for the, the, the close. Yeah, exactly. Close. 
So, like, if I would have a game at Thursday at 4, then I needed to hire someone else to run the same game for a different company at 4. And so I have two, sort of two regular hosts that I use and then a couple other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just freelance hosts. And Yeah. So what's your favorite part of... Uh... Of running the trivia side hustle, what? knowing the answers. <laughs> no, I, I when, the, the when Alex you, Trebek effect, right? No, so. when when I so like I ran a game for the writers of um, uh, what's the name of the show? Rick and Morty. No, similar. Um, not anyway. Family Guy, but American Dad. Okay. Um, so it's all the writers of American Dad, the creator of American Dad. Uh, not Seth MacFarlane, but one of the, one of the, mm-hmm. probably creator who went to the, the producers to pitch it. Sure, sure. Um, and it was like twenty people, and you know, when when you have like a game night where they're into it and they're they know the answers, and but they they have to really work with the team to come up with the answers. It's great, and I've done it so often now. I get the same wrong answers and the same mm-hmm. right answers, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and and. I know what to say now that will make people laugh and, you know. Yeah. So. So, because I think about, all right, I think about myself a little bit because. (laughs) I think about myself all the time. (laughs) Because I, back in the, at the end of college, I, I forget. I had, I think it was 20, I was turning 25, I think, and maybe it was 23. It was like the age of like, I was, I had made the decision that I wanted to like embrace my inner kid and forget, forget trying to be an adult. Like just let's have a game night and let's have fun. Forget like, I'm just going to have like Pokemon plates and whatever. Um, and I had a, I had a friend bring over Twister and like we played Twister and stuff and it was like super fun and yeah, nobody, yeah, everybody bought into it and it was super cool. And then I think the the following year, I made a uh, like a year commitment of like every month I want to host like some sort of game night event. Yeah. And I really enjoyed bringing people together and having people buy into the whole thing. Like when you said when people are taking this trivia seriously and they're actually trying. Yeah. Like it. Um, and then my 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 headline event, like the headline event of the night, was a, was a twister tournament. So people kind of knew that like, all right, this is gonna be interesting. Um, so I did that for the whole year. I did one, I did 12 and then like sporadically kind of that died off and I killed that. But regardless, being a game, game night host is a very specific thing. I don't know if you have, I'm I'm assuming that you've also hosted game nights that are non-trivia or if trivia is like if you do board game stuff or Um, if you, I, I'm sure I have, I've been part of game nights like that. I don't. I mean, I've had game nights where, like okay. at Thanksgiving, people we always do games after, sure, but not sure. specifically. But when you're hosting, you trivia is is your is your yes. your your, your, your preference. Yes. When I'm playing, my preference is taboo. Taboo. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or balderdash. Taboo stresses me out, man. It can, yeah. Uh, I can tell you a big debate I had one night on a, sure, a taboo sure, game, and sure. I won't tell you what side I was on. Okay. There's only one right side. I think. <laughs> Uh, so it's all about polarization today, huh? Yes. So the card, you remember how taboo is played, where yeah, you, it's the word on top and the words you can't say below. Yes, you have a timer. 
And so the word on top was J-O-B. Okay. And the words below were like career, money, etc. You know, whatever. And so the person who saw the J-O-B said, okay, this is the person in the Bible who was tested um, by God. You know, all these bad things happened to him. And so the players said, Job. And the reader said, right, and moved on. And mm. everyone else was like, no, no, that's not the word. Who's right? <laughs> what, you want me to make? All right. What's, what's, your, what's your feeling about that? And then I'll tell you if you're a writer. <laughs> okay. No, I'm curious. My, my gut reaction is I, on the day, I'll probably be like, it's clean. It's clean. Just let it, it's, it's good. Let it pass. Because yeah. whatever interpretation that was there, it was communicated. And That's I, the right answer. Okay. <laughs> the correct answer is the point of these games is to make you think outside the box, to think outside of being able to describe something without using those words. Mm -hmm. Just because those words are there, as long as the people say what is there, whether it's job or job. The Great. whole point of the game is to think outside the box. Yes, yes. Stop trying to strip the fun from it, people. <laughs> We're here to have fun. Um, but yeah, like trivia for me stresses me out too, because I like even when you're going through like the actress from the one thing, like you're oh, yeah, yeah. you're having to oh what's her name? <laughs> oh god, no, no, that's gonna stress me exactly. out. Exactly, it was Jennifer. What, yeah. what I, I want to say I keep wanting to say Jennifer Irwin, but that's not her because she's an actress on our show and she's a very good actress and you'd recognize her if you saw her. But, but it like, wasn't her. It's it's Jennifer Coolidge. That's her name, Jennifer, Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. You got it. Close that loop. Because like you're saying that stuff, and my brain, I have very a lot of difficulty. Like in the moment, like I don't know. Don't, you're don't you remember the scene? Don't you remember the scene? That, did you see Legally Blonde? It's, I don't know. I don't, that movie did not entice me. To, well, the Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I'm very. She dresses up in pink and goes to law school. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a very famous scene from that movie with Jennifer Coolidge. That's why I bring mm. it up. Oh, okay. And you, and you ever saw American Pie? Was not my cup of tea either. She was stiff with the mom. <laughs> that. She was like the yeah. older woman that one of the characters was having sex mm -hmm. with, basically. Okay. Uh, Stiffler is played by. Stiffler was played by. Uh, he is one of those actors with three names. I can picture him. Is Ashton Ashton Kutcher? Is wasn't Ashton Kutcher? Uh, Thinking it, of that '70s show now. Was something William Scott or. Um, <clears throat> I can, I can picture him. I cannot think of his name. I can picture his face, too. Regardless... He doesn't really look like Ashton Kutcher, though. No, I don't... I, I feel like Ashton Kutcher would be in that type of movie, though. No, but. it was uh, it was Jason Biggs and um, a guy who was on Wolford that I cannot think of his name. Not a very nice guy. Not Elijah a, Wood? I'm just no, no. Just he, he was like... He was the boyfriend yeah. of the main female. Okay. Um, I can't think of his name, but it was, it was Jason Biggs and Allison Hannigan and... Uh, you know, that whole crew. And Stifler, played by Sean William Scott. Okay, there you go. It's a weird name with three first names. I think that's his name. I'm pretty sure. That sounds right. Um, with that being said, I think we're going to end it here. Sure. Thanks for... Uh, I guess the only thing I also... All right. We'll end it here. Was Is there any place...
people do you how how are you on social media like do you you don't really, uh, you don't only, really Instagram. so I, I i don't really use instagram uh or twitter i'm on facebook but i will say that my one website is the mm. trivia website which is called superscript trivia it's superscript like script supervising but superscript because i always liked the idea that superscript was also the term that you in math that you, oh. when you write something, a power above, yeah, yeah. that's called a superscript. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the font yeah. when you're typing. So, and I thought that would be a good name since it's script supervising, uh, that it was born out of that. And so it's superscripttrivia.com, two T's, all one word. Um, yeah. And that's the website for the, to, if you would like a trivia game. <laughs> Sweet. So you can, you can, you can. They can people can find you there in both capacities. The trivia, no, that's specifically trivia. It's specifically trivia. And I mean, then, I, I'm on Facebook just under my name. And then know. if if yeah, keep in keep in the loop when uh, on Goldberg's news and <laughs> when Goldberg's ends, I'll need a job. And then <laughs> scoop him up, scoop Un- him up. Union job. <laughs> yes. All right. Cool. Although, although that's the thing, you know, people ask me like, w- would I do non-union stuff and and I would hope that I don't have to because I want the pension and welfare and benefits and money. Right, right. You know, money is good. Um, it's helpful. And... It's not bad. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, if I had to do non-union, sure. I think uh, there is a, v- a possibility of a non-union movie for me in over the summer. Mm. Um That'd be like a favorite kind of thing, right? Versus well, versus... it's it's a it's a guy that I know that I've worked with before who does he's he's hired me on a couple commercials, and this is like a low budget indie movie that he it's going to be shooting in Georgia, and um, he has he's asked me to read the script, which is a surefire sign that he wants. Whenever they ask you to read the script, they want to make sure that you like the script. <laughs> yeah. Like now that you like it, you down are you yeah. invested now? Um, I have not read it yet, but. Um, you know, I've worked with him before, and I know he likes me, so... Um, okay, so that might be a thing. It's a possibility, if nothing else. But that makes sense. I mean, if you have the personal relationship with the creator, Yeah, and, and I also have no other job right now for the hiatus period. Right, right. So, so although I do have possible trivia games set up, but I may like, have to hire You're like, I'm, book, I'm booked up, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Too much trivia going on. All right. Anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, thanks for being on. All right, bye, everybody. Bum, bum, bum.